Welcome to the Eclectic Gamers Podcast. Today is Sunday, May 6th. It's episode 61. I'm Tony. And I'm Dennis. And, well, we've got quite a mix. We've got good news in the world of video games. And we've got not so good news in the world of pinball. Yeah. But before we delve into either world and have worlds collide, we need to do our introductions. We both went to the 403 Club tournament, the monthly tournament in the Kansas City area, Tony. Tony, well, you went to a pinball tournament. I, I know. I've played pinball. It's the first time I've played pinball since Texas. Did you beat anyone? I, I, I had one victory. So that so you basically have just been resting up to restore yourself to proper fe- physical perfection to um, win. No, probably not. I think it was more of a fluke. You weren't healing some finger injuries. No, no. Okay, I'm not. I'm not burgering. Okay, I'm not, I'm not off to the side getting getting better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah, we were both at that, and that was last night. So that was good. I don't. I, I haven't been. I've been working. We we lost a couple of employees that have moved on to greener pastures. So it has just been this chaos of trying to disseminate workload across the remaining staff. I had to go down to the southern part of the state a few days ago to give a presentation on taxes. Uh, I won't be giving that presentation on this podcast. So I will, <laughs> as an aside, before I went, there was a, someone, one of the audience members came up to me and said, just tell a lot of jokes and make it fun. And I said, this is, you understand that this is taxes, right? I can't make it fun. Even if you like taxes, I can't make it fun for you. I can make it informative. I can tell you some jokes, but they won't, they'll either be tax jokes and not funny or they'll be irrelevant jokes. So I used irrelevant jokes. Okay. Well, you know, what you could do next time is you could hire me on as a contractor and we'll just kind of a, do a two man town hall talk type thing. Mm-hmm. And my, my contractor rates are very reasonable. $500 an hour, six hour minimum. It's not a big deal. Mm, okay. that, that includes drive time. Oh, yeah. Well, we've, yeah, we found that with contractors lately. They all want to count the drive time. So <laughs> now it's like, okay, well, what town do you live in? Cause that's where we're hosting it. <laughs> so, yeah, we have. It's sad. It's very sad. Um, okay. Well, did you have any other introduction stuff? I, that's it for me. No, I, the, my daughter, my oldest daughter ran in her fourth 5K yesterday mm-hmm. and like a, an appropriate proud papa. I was so exhausted from watching her run that when we got home, I took a nap mm. before I had to go to pinball. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. She didn't even take a nap. I woke up because I because she's like, ah, she took a shower and she went to lay down. I'm like, oh, are you going to take a nap? She goes, yeah, I think I'm going to take a nap. I'm like, okay. And she was watching some YouTube, but I laid down and I passed out for like two solid hours. And I woke up and it's like, how was your nap? She goes, oh, I never actually took a nap. It's like, oh, oh, I'm old. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, running, it is, it is exerting to watch. Apparently, yes. <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> so speaking of exerting, we need to get, we need to get work in here. Uh, and we need to start with the pinball segment. And, uh, first item is pretty brief one. Uh, Iron Maiden, Stern Pinball's most recent game. The limited edition art package was revealed a number of days ago. We shared some of that information on our Facebook page. Only thing I really wanted to note is that there was a gameplay reveal. Jack Danger with Dead Flip did it. We have a link in the show notes so people can go back and watch the archive of the footage if you're interested. Once again, Keith Elwin walks you through the whole rules and stuff. I like that. 
I do too. I think I think it suits it really well. Um, did you get a? I haven't really watched that video. I watched a little bit uh, because I already watched a good chunk of the pro anyway. Right. I, uh, I I didn't watch the LE video. Did you get any time on the pro at four oh three club? No, I wanted to, but there was always somebody on it before the tournament started, and then when the tournament once the tournament started, I, every game I got. Uh, every game that I got in my random draw of games to play was either titled Ghostbusters or Toten because, mm. you know, I, I, I angered some gods by taking a nap. Uh, I think that's what it was. Okay. So, no, I didn't get a chance. And it was open a couple times, but there were really close matches going on on the machines right next to it. And I wasn't going to be so rude as to go start up a game just for fun. So, and then we left. Yes. And then we left because we had Overwatch to watch. Exactly. But don't worry, we won't talk about it that. Uh, I played one game on it before the tournament started, uh, just to start to get a feel for it. I see why people like it. The shots feel really good once you, once you find them, which is true for any pinball machine. It's weird, uh, in the sense that I would describe it as it's a game that has flow, but with those, the four flippers, you got the whole upper area. It doesn't, it doesn't flow like a Steve Ritchie game. It, it flows differently, but it's still got a really good pace to it. Yeah. Uh, and I think that it, it works really well. The whole thing with the LE, some of the... I, I don't know if I'd say criticism. Some people don't like the art package as much on the LE versus the Pro. Obviously, that's very subjective. Some people don't like the delays that are involved with the more advanced mechanisms and toys on the LE. Again, that's not anything new to us either. There are a number of people who have always said Game of Thrones Pro plays so much better than the premium models mm-hmm. because of the upper play field. And this with the physical locks and such and the ramps that lift, some people would rather it just be more virtual. So anyway, there's footage link though for anyone to explore. And that's really all I had to say about the Iron Maiden LE. Uh, but I think it's going to do, I think the whole Iron Maiden line is going to do gangbusters. For I think it is going to be a pretty good turnout. And I, and that's, I, in all honesty, that's in spite of the theme, I think. Theme is very polarizing just because there are a lot of people that either don't know Iron Maiden or know Iron Maiden enough to know they don't like it. Right. Versus those that love it. Right. And again, that's very, it's very, and, and, and like I, like I was, I don't know if you were part of that conversation last night, but I was having a conversation with a couple of the guys at Pinball last night and I have a coworker who likes, uh, uh, Iron Maiden a lot and not really into pinball, but has a big interest in the machine because of the theme. So, and I think that's the kind of thing. It's kind of like the, the Supreme machine that got turned out or anything else. And let's be honest, theme anymore is probably a bigger draw for most people than the game. I think when you're targeting a home collector market and you're thinking, which I believe Stern does, thinking about collectors who aren't necessarily pinball collectors, they're just collectors in general. Mm-hmm. There's a lot. I I don't see the point in doing original themes. I I just don't. I don't think I don't think it's smart business sense. I know there are some people, especially some pinball people, I'd say it's a minority, but they can be fairly vocal who they want the artistic creativity of original themes, they respect original themes more, but the bottom line is this is a business. This is an art and it's it just you unless the license fees are ridiculous, in which case there are thousands of licenses to choose from out there you are really setting yourself up for having a harder time selling machines a la america's most haunted uh dialed in yeah you know, we don't know the numbers from jersey jack but 
from everything I have heard through my network of connections, it's the worst performing Jersey Jack game. Which is sad because it is Jersey Jack's best yes, game. Yes, it's their best game. So, uh, but that theme doesn't click for anyone. And I think some people may be thinking, well, now that's not such an operator world. That's not a big deal because the theme was just to get people to f- put the first dollar in. And then after you push the first dollar, the gameplay should make you want to play it more. But with home collectors, who goes out just in the general and is like, oh, I just want this unknown made up pretend theme versus, oh, yeah, I'm a Trekkie. So I want Star Trek or I'm a Star Wars nut. I want Star Wars or I love metal. So I want all the metal bands. Yeah. It's just, it's a, it valid, is what it's it is. a valid argument and it's the reality that we live in. Yes. Speaking of reality, we'll go to our second pinball topic. Boom, and boom, boom. the law is reality. I am the law. I'm not. I'm, I am I'm the not, law. I'm not a judge. Uh, okay. Uh, Double this, whammy. Yes. <laughs> as, as reported uh, via Pinside, there was an update regarding Zidware. For listeners who are not familiar, Zidware was the company established by famed pinball designer John Papaduke, who worked for a number of years for Bally Williams. He designed some very popular games such as Theater of Magic, Circus Voltaire, the World Cup Soccer, Star Wars Episode One. I'm obviously naming names that games that aren't exactly good, <laughs> uh, and uh, Totan, as Tony referenced earlier, which stands for Tales of the Arabian Nights. For those that don't know the acronym. So he established his own pinball company. He set out to make a game called Magic Girl. Later, he set out to make a game that's commonly referred to as Raza, which I believe is Retro Atomic Zombie Adventureland. It used to have another name before that, where it's like Ben Hex Zombie Adventure or something along those lines. And then an Alice in Wonderland as the third game. None of these games were produced by Zidware proper. Magic Girl games were ultimately built with the aid of American Pinball under a relationship that's not entirely clear to me. Uh, as in, I think they built the parts, but J-Pop, John Pop Duke's commonly referred to as J-Pop, uh, I guess he assembled it himself. They went out. It's essentially a box of lights. The code is rudimentary. There are spots for mechs that weren't installed. It's not real pinball. But it does plunge, kind of, for not having a groove in the shooter lane. <laughs> so, what happened here? There was a civil suit. Now, I need to stress this because I've I've read online and I've heard from others thinking that J-Pop is now a criminal. This is not true. This is a civil case, not a criminal case, people. It's really simple to keep straight. <laughs> uh, so, what happened was a number of people who pre-ordered games from John Papaduke's Zidware company filed a civil suit against him. On the grounds that he failed to produce the machines and they wanted their money back because he didn't complete. He didn't complete what he was contracted to complete. So what happened was J-Pop lost and the judge has said he needs to pay the money back to these creditors or the ones that were the claimants. There were right. 26 claimants. Six actually went to the hearing and testified against him that day the decision was handed down. Uh, so what does this mean? It means J-Pop owes at least 26 people a great deal of money. Thousands upon thousands of dollars in all cases, I believe. Everyone was owed at least several thousand dollars. Hence why it was this combined. It's not a small claims court. This went through yeah. regular civil because the dollar amount's so high. I believe it's essentially functioned like as a, almost like a class action. That's why they're all clumped together as one case. Uh, I did see that apparently, 
uh, J-Pop through through uh, his Zidware position countersued, I think all of the claimants, at least some of them, uh, demanding that they needed to make full payment because many of them had only paid partially. Uh, as all as far as I can tell, that was just dismissed outright by the judge. So that didn't go should anywhere. Have been. I I don't know why it was attempted. I don't know if he insisted on it or if his lawyer thought maybe there was a legal angle they could argue that well he wasn't actually required to complete the games and deliver them because he didn't get all the money for them. I again, how does that absolve you from having to pay back? Grasping straws. Right. It's it's grabbing for the, anything you right, can. Right. Right. Well, the civil suits aren't aren't saying give us the games right now. It was give us our money back that we paid, not right. give us the full <sighs> amount that the game would have cost or anything. So anyway, I just felt, I found that uh, to be an odd, uh, desperate act that didn't look good. I agree. Uh, That's but, that comes off very much like please, please, please. I just need something. Right now, I'm assuming, in terms of what happens now, that J-Pop doesn't have this money. No, and no. I believe him when he went on, you know, years ago when he was on Coast to Coast Pinball in that. Uh, Abomination might be a bit strong of a word. I like Nate and I really like Coast to Coast Pinball. And I know because he said it multiple times that the interview with John Papaduke is his most popular episode ever. It is a terrible interview. Truly terrible. <laughs> and I don't, and I don't mean even the questions that were asked. It is rambling, nonsensical nonsense. Nonsensical nonsense. <laughs> yes, we get the double non. It, no, it's really bad. Now he, Chose not to edit it because he wanted people just to hear, just to hear John without any accusations that he had modified it. Yeah. It needed editing because if you didn't already know the J-pop situation, that will only confuse you. I had just read up on it when I went back and listened to that episode and it confused me. And while I may not be the sharpest tool in the shed, I think I do a pretty good job tracking the legal chain of chronology that was going on. And the whole rise and fall of his business. So I would have edited it and then maybe had an unreleased, uh, like a link off to, here's the unedited version if you yeah. really want to hear Ramblin' Man. But anyway, so, so, but given all that, if you were able to sift through that interview, uh, there was a point where he did fully acknowledge to Nate that, yeah, that money was gone. He didn't have the money to produce. I don't think anything has changed about that no. since then. So given that, what I think would most likely happen is garnishment. Yep. That's the most logical way to try and start to recoup money. Now, this is interesting because online there was a lot of this discussion about, well, now that he's been found guilty, and let's remember again, this is a civil case. It's not, he's not some sort of convicted con man here. Yeah. I just, I want to start, I want to stress this. I am as disappointed with his business acumen as anyone, but let, let's not go, let's not go crazy here. Uh, <laughs> but that deep root should drop him. But for these now creditors, uh, they, they have this legal claim. Yeah. Him working for deep root actually is probably for the best for them. Right. Now, we had the interview a few months ago with Robert Mueller from Deep Root. At the time, they were having an offer for people to basically turn in their evidence that they had tried to purchase from John through Zidware, and they could get some Deep Root product and or other. There were other compensations right. that were offered. Now that wasn't extended to those with the lawsuit. Initially, it planned to be, but they they, had, they pulled that back. So the these twenty six weren't eligible for that anyway. But if John's doing what he knows how to do, which is design, 
supposedly, then him working for a pinball company would be better for getting more people more money faster than him working as a greeter at Walmart. Yeah. Just because it's sheer dollars. As I, I posted an example of this on Pinside where someone had asked about uh, garnishment and what was available by state. I did a little bit of research on that, but as we've mentioned one other time on the show, I'm currently receiving garnishment for someone who didn't finish doing a deck build. That was a small claim. It was still a couple thousand dollars. And that person works at a gas station. So I'm getting money generally every week, but the amount I get ranges from as low as three bucks to the highest I think I've received in a week is 80. Just depends how much he works. Right. And I think he's got more than one job and I'm only garnishing one. Right. And, and I'm seeing here that it's, I mean, you look at John Papaduke. I mean, he was born in 62. So he's what, 56. Okay. So. <clears throat> garnishments of any amount, unless he's making huge money, they're never going to get everything back. Probably not. Uh, unless, I mean, unless he gets other in court income streams or he has other assets. That yeah. Could be, that, that could be, could be hit. Because it, what's interesting, what's relevant about the civil suit is he was not able to just chalk this all onto his S corp Zidware and say, well, Zidware's out of money. So bankruptcy. Right. Z- Zidware's gone. Zidware had the debt, not me. He's personally liable for the debt. And that is that is something of a big deal because yeah. it means he can't just, unless he wants to declare bankruptcy, which maybe he will, he won't be able to fully shed the judgment. Even if he does bankruptcy, I don't think it gets fully shed. I, that He might be able to get it down. He might be able to control it. He might be able to prevent interest or something. It just, it just depends on what happens with that. And I don't yeah. know, but, but him having a career that's fairly high paying and Robert claimed that he was paying good money to the, de- to the designers. That's, you know, ov- overall, uh, you know, whether or not you want Deep Root to succeed or not, it's in the claimant's best interest that John make as much money as possible, just from a practical standpoint. And that's all I'm saying on about that. So. Well, we'll have to see what happens, but if, if his designs are successful with Deep Root and they keep him on board, in theory, uh, at least a portion of this money should start to flow back. It's just, it's a lot of claimants for a lot of dollars. And yeah. even if you're making good money, I mean, when you're, you're talking, if it's hundreds of thousands of dollars, it, it may not be plausible for him to do it before he retires. Right. It just, it just depends. But, yeah. And 26 people, I mean, you you have to figure at the bare minimum, and and obviously we don't know, but at the bare minimum, that's got to be at least seventy thousand dollars, probably. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I'm I'm sure it's six figures. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty confident that there were some pay in fulls on that. I think some may have been on the lower end, which maybe were like forty five hundred dollar deposits. And stuff. Right. But yeah, I, I've I've seen some things about the number amount, but yeah, it's it's a lot. It's significant. So. Anyway, that was the news on Zidware. So let's go to our third pinball news item. And it's going to be our big discussion regarding pinball in this episode for obvious reasons. And that is the collapse of highway pinball. So uh, first, I got, I've got a couple of links in the show notes for people to read more on this. Uh, one link is to This Week in Pinball's coverage of highway pinball. It has lots of good details in it. And a whole timeline of the rise and fall of the company. 
So I recommend that one. And then there is also a link in the show notes to an interview that Pinball News conducted with Andrew Highway. It was a written interview that posted uh, by our time last night. It was up at some point. And so there are some interesting highlights from that. It's it's very long and there's a lot of detail in that, giving Andrew's perspective. Uh, we'll cover some of that, what I think is the most relevant. So I'm going to try and walk through this in a way that makes a lot of sense. But there are so many pieces that it gets a little bit overwhelming. But what what are we known for here, Tony? We're known for our deep dives. So let's dive deep on this. Uh, Tony, you and I, we I think we kind of called that Highway Pinball wasn't going to last a, a long time ago. Right. I mean, we were, if it hadn't been for the investors swooping in last year, this would have happened last year. And we thought it was going to happen last year, but that was before the investors. Right. And then after <laughs> the investors started to do what they did, the ways that they were going about doing it made me think that I didn't see, I didn't see the long term how it was supposed to be viable. Right. So were we the first? Sure, we were probably yeah. The first. Why not? Yeah, why not? We're the first that actually based it off of research and knowledge <laughs> and strength, or not? We're, not just hope and love. Not just hope and love. Not just the rumor mill, but with serious number crunching. The math never worked. <laughs> and as I often had to stress in that tax presentation, I said I was going to talk about it. Is it's just math? I probably said that phrase more than any other phrase. It's just math, and this is the same case. So. Let's talk about what's what's happened with Highway recently. I'm not going to go through the whole timeline. That's what This Week in Pinball is for if you want to know about it. Okay. Cointaker. They're a major distributor for pinball machines in the United States. They refused to take possession of a container of alien pins. They cited that there was poor customer service and there were parts issues with the games. So people weren't getting what they needed to fix machines that were being sold through Cointaker. So when Highway said, we've got another set, uh, a whole container full, which is like 20 some pins, yeah. ready to go to the States, Cointaker said, we're not paying you. Because they said, you have to pay us for the pins and then we'll ship them. And right. No. Until you resolve your customer service problems and start getting parts out to the people we already sold pins to, we're not buying any more from you because it's making us look bad. I think that's just good business sense. Yeah, no, it makes sense. I, I haven't heard a single person really criticize Cointaker beyond those thinking maybe now if they had done that, they would have machines that they could sell for even higher dollars because they're a collector's item now. Whatever. We'll go. We can go <clears throat> into that if we want to later. Uh, okay. Pinball is an investment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, a few days later, it is leaked out, not through official release. It was a leak uh, that Highway had shut down, that the employees were laid off. They were informed that business was closed and voluntary liquidation was going to happen. And that process began on the 4th of May. Be with you. I kind of said it like Yoda, but which is kind of funny because the official, like uh, the official notice of the liquidation came out on alien day. Yeah. 426. Yeah. So, <laughs> everything was timed. The circle is complete. Uh, Fox world, and Disney are both pleased. Everyone's yes. together. So dogs and cats living together, mass hysteria. Mm-hmm. Did you get to that mode when you played Ghostbusters? No. Okay. Well, that was I, a, that was a fun story. Wow. Thanks for sharing me sharing yeah, with. Thank us. you for reminding me just how poorly I played on Ghostbusters last That's time. That's what I'm here for. So, uh, what's going on? Well, it turns out when the new investors, which I need to qualify that a little bit. The investors who took over were actually old investors. 
I don't mean age-wise. I mean, they actually had invested in Highway already. Yeah. But they went ahead and they took it over and out, sort of ousted Andrew Highway and assumed control. Hostile takeover. How hostile remains unclear. And we'll get into that a little bit when we cover the Pinball News article uh, where they did the interview. But uh, they have a, they formed another company when they did the takeover, apparently, called Pinball Brothers. And the questions that are remaining now is, why does Pinball Brothers exist? Was it just set up as a way when they were doing the takeover to kind of shield themselves from if they weren't able to save the company that things wouldn't completely blow back onto them? Or was it anticipated that Highway was going to, going to definitely die and they began the process of transferring assets from Highway Pinball to Pinball Brothers so that when this liquidation process began on May 4th, they would be able to say, oh, Highway doesn't have any assets to liquidate and you can't touch Pinball Brothers because it's not in trouble. It's not in administration and it hasn't asked for voluntary liquidation. It's doing just fine. And it's a completely separate business that has nothing to do with this other than, oh, it's listed as a creditor against pinball, against Highway Pinball because it was supplying all the parts. It's not clear to me yet. But the case is pretty strong, obviously, for the latter. I would, I, I would assume so. <laughs> so. Based off the information coming in, uh, but we don't know. We don't know what the intent. Obviously, there's a difference between what's happening and what the intent was. So, uh, next uh, element that adds to this tapestry of a narrative that we're weaving here. Deep Root, which we talked about back with the Zidware discussion because they have John Papaduke on payroll. Mm-hmm. They uh, posted, I'm assuming Robert, posted on Pinside, uh, indicating that they had approached Highway before the liquidation announcement, but very recently. I think it was the same week. Uh, and wanted to see if they could acquire the license to the band Queen. As had often been rumored, the next game from Highway Pinball was supposed to be Queen. From what we've seen with that announcement, it was... Highway had three games in the pipeline to varying degrees. There right. was Queen, Playboy, and then Barry Osler was working on an unlicensed pen. So Deep Root claimed they asked to get Queen, and Highway said, no, we will not sell you the Queen license. Which, factoring that in, is part of that credence that's being lent to this idea that pinball brothers is planning to do something post highway right well, otherwise why not sell why not sell the asset that you can't use because you're liquidating deeper didn't want playboy and they don't need permission to do an original theme so they didn't need to get right. anything for the third one well and here and here's i mean just straight off the top of my head the obvious thing there is if Highway sold Queen with the amount of debt Highway had and the amount of money that was owed to creditors, anything they got for the Queen license that got sold off would just disappear to creditors. Sure. Where with the transfer to Pinball Brothers, if Pinball Brothers sells Queen, that's just pure profit for them. Yeah. They don't have to make the machine. They can just sell the license to somebody to make the machine. Sure. The question is, who has the license right now? Is it Highway or is it Pinball Brothers? If Highway still has it, then Pinball Brothers' plan would be to buy it in liquidation. Right. But what people think is that it's already been transferred. That would be my assumption. And Highway Pinball as a company limped along long enough that there are laws against doing gamesmanship like this where you take a company and you're going to plan to let it fail, but you're going to actually move all the things of value mm-hmm. out to another company. But there's like a 
almost a statute of limitations to it before it's no longer seen as you having done that. And the question is, did this take long enough? Did they allow Highway to survive long enough and move the assets over really early in the process that this won't, this could pass legal muster? That's the question. Yeah. And that's up to, I think, when the, the liquidator who was appointed, and that's all that really happened on May 4th. There wasn't any major news. Uh, it was all very pro forma. That sort of stuff will be, I believe, investigated during that entire process as they spin everything down and sell off whatever remains with, with highway. Right. Okay. So we have that. should supposedly include a container of pinball machines. Well, that's an interesting point. There have been reports that that container that was meant for coin taker has been sold to Europeans through pinball brothers. But I don't know if that's speculation or not. I've not seen confirmation. Yeah. Let's just put it that way. But it's a, it's an interesting point. Cause yes, you would normally think those pins at least should be assets to highway. Yeah. Now, if they sold them, then the money is the asset to highway. So again, it's not necessarily wrong that they ended up getting sold. I don't know. Some other uh, interesting pieces of information. And this is mostly out of the, uh, this week in pinball article. But this was just reports of things coming in. A lot of this had to do with back when Andrew Highway was the one running the company. So uh, it was noted that Andrew Highway, and a lot of these, these claims were anonymized. So we don't know who claimed what. And right. I know Andrew, and we'll talk about his response through Pinball News. But he stated a lot of this stuff is coming from ex-employees and they're ex for a reason. And that they have an ax to grind. <laughs> sure. So he says, take all this with a grain of salt, essentially. So one thing was that he used money wastefully. Are you telling me that there is a CEO who would wastefully use money and not not do everything exactly right into the best of for the company? I have a very hard time believing that such people exist in this infallible, perfect world. Yes, I know. But you are an eternal optimist. <laughs> the... Well, what the stuff, some of it just seems like if it's true, when you qualify it, alleged, you know, it's all alleged. Yeah. It's all alleged. If it is true, some of this just seems like poor choices versus, you know, like corrupt esque acquisitions and blowing money on oneself. There's a little bit of that in the claims as well. So here's some of the things that were listed as having been bought by Highway Pinball that they barely used. Uh, there were packing machines, so they would be able to pack their own stuff that didn't get used very much. And a flatbed printer was listed as something that was purchased, but not, but only used a little bit. I mean, to, to uh, pack stuff, you would have to actually complete mm-hmm. something to have it shipped. They, they completed <clears throat> some full throttles. <laughs> Don't you remember? We had full throttle on location. Yeah. Uh, some items that uh, were listed as having been bought by Highway Pinball for Highway Pinball purposes, but then never used at all. A CNC machine. the uh, A couple of commercial ice drink machines. What is a commercial ice drink machine? Is that... This might be like UK phrasing. Is that a pop machine? Is it like a vending machine? For uh, Mike, that sounds almost like a Slurpee machine or like a frozen margarita machine. But who would get maybe two? Maybe it's daiquiri time. Who well, would not, get two of them? Well, well, obviously you need one for margaritas and one for daiquiris. Oh, okay. Okay. I hmm. mean, how are you going to have your, your, your proper 
Friday night parties without margaritas and daiquiris. Perhaps they were just different branded. One was Slurpee and one was Icy. Oh, yeah. Icy. The Pepsi of Slurpee. <laughs> the, okay. And, uh, an injection molding machine, I guess to make plastics. Never used it, according to the person who was reporting this. Uh, this was one that I'd heard repeatedly in the past, well before the failure, that they, they moved facilities several times. And at one point they were in a massive warehouse. Like they used one third of it, but it was just a huge, like a hangar, huge, yeah, huge waste of space. So that claim was so it's there. like the space I want to own. Yes. Yes. But you'd probably fill it with your desk. Uh, pretty much. Yeah. Uh, a Porsche that Andrew Highway got a Porsche. And he had the lease payments paid by Highway Pinball directly. It's a company car. People get company, company car. cars sure. all company the time. Car, yeah. And sure. let, let, yeah. let's, let's be honest. It's a Porsche. It's not like it's something that's for, you know, real high-end rollers. Porsches for people who think they're high-end rollers, but they can't actually afford a high-end car. Mm. So they get a Porsche and it makes them feel like they're special, even though it's like the Taurus of sports cars. Oh, okay. Uh, I, I lose track. So you're, you're, it's like, it's not a Lotus. Or... <laughs> it's not a Ferrari. It's not a Lamborghini. It's, it, it's not one of those Mercedes AMGs. It, it's a Porsche. It's like, oh, I needed a sports car because I'm having my midlife crisis, but all I can afford is a Taurus. <laughs> okay. Well, that's good to know because I wasn't aware of that. So I'm glad you've, I'm glad you'd explain. And this pinball is a world of arguments and I'm glad you're equipped to battle, <laughs> battle on those equal terms. So, okay. So there was the, the low end sports car and, uh, a generous salary to him. And also that he had been, I guess, when the company had started up renting a villa with an indoor heated pool, but he w- then moved into a six bedroom house. That's a lot of bedrooms. Hey. You never know. You got to have party rooms. Oh, no, I find a use for everything. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, there's bedroom house. Yeah, that, I, I would definitely find one of those rooms would have the disco ball and the smoke and the fog machines. And no, no, there's plenty of, plenty of possible uses. Okay. So, uh, another item that I thought was interesting. Uh, this comes back from Pinside versus This Week in Pinball, but it was noted that. Andrew also had a habit of meddling in the design process, like the playfield design pro- process. So, and by that I mean, uh, there was a key example, which I, I noted because it stood out so much to me was he at one stage, and purportedly this is what kind of drove Barry Osler Ow. off a cliff <laughs> in terms of just <laughs> mentally trying to deal with this guy because someone came in saying Barry had done, actually worked really quickly, had done Really good play field. Like that, that is, in that person's opinion, Barry's designs were great. But so he's a professional doing a professional job. Yeah, yeah, like you do. Yeah. Uh, but Andrew, for example, came in at one point and he said, "You know, I want this game to have fourteen ball multi ball because I want to beat the record set by Apollo thirteen. So put that in somewhere. Just find a way to stick in fourteen ball multi ball." <sighs> That's the game's a turd. Why would you want to copy it? I guess to set a, I guess to set a record. Maybe you should have figured out what game had the most flippers and add one more flipper in and call the game flipper and theme it off a dolphin. It'd probably be more popular than motocross. Could they have gotten the license for flipper? 
Oh, sure. Surely. They, no, probably not. Who knows? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what sort of hoops you have to jump through, much like a dolphin, <laughs> to get the flipper license. <laughs> we're gonna, well, that's our next research topic. We're going to research the flipper license. We're going to find out who has the flipper license and what it's going to take to get a flipper license. I'll just get the SeaWorld license. Their brand is so toxic now. <laughs> you can get that cheap. You can get that one cheap. <laughs> then surprise them and call it Blackfish. <laughs> Oh, killer whales aren't fish. Okay. Uh, <laughs> all right. Nice little side there. Yeah, it was just an aside. I don't want to confuse people. Uh, I'm now. I'm going to give you another aside because this is just really weird. We had a law clerk at one point years ago, and she was very upset because there were bats in her apartment, and she was explaining how they had done roof work at one point because there was there was a way they could get into the attic of the apartment she was renting. Or something along those lines. But they had already sealed that up and then there were bats later. And so she had decided that the bats must have laid eggs in the walls. And then the eggs had hatched and then the bats came out and lived with her. See, I there are things that sometimes make me realize that this world should just burn. So what I did is I started sitting in, and I often would, I haven't recently, but sitting in on the interviews with law clerks. And I inserted a new question, which was, you're living alone. Bats have appeared in your house. How did the bats get there? Was it A, they flew in, B, they laid eggs? <laughs> and oh, I, I actually did. Ha I had that as a question. <laughs> and then after the interview, I had to explain that we had to do that because I had to stop stupid. <laughs> Unfortunately, there were others who were very confused by the question. Well, I uh, can understand. Well, look, I think it should be a requirement that if you're going to go to law school, you have to know that bats are mammals. <laughs> I, that is, it's, you know, it's just, it's my judgment call. And I felt that that's appropriate. I'm not going to work with people that think bats lay eggs. We will have law. The law people will have law. And I will insert that law. They also, I'm not, I don't get to ask interview questions anymore without screening it. Because <laughs> all my interview questions are me. <laughs> you're, 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 a mean ones. They're Mr. all, Dennis. they're all legitimate. They're not all, they're not like violations of labor standard law or anything. <laughs> but they're all scenario based. They either make people look stupid or they ask really, really difficult scenarios. Ones that I've actually seen. So they're healthy questions. But <laughs> uh, I've found that we've had multiple people who we ended up hiring, and then we asked them afterwards about the interview process after they're acclimated and stuff. And they always have said that, that they were nervous around me. And so that's, a, <laughs> that's a problem. That wasn't the goal. Like, well, I liked everyone, but Dennis, I don't know. I just got this vibe that he hated me. He scares like, me. I'm not I'm like, I thought I just had my poker face on, but apparently I have my die, die, die face. <laughs> I don't know. I'll have to work on that. Maybe in a mirror. Yeah. But anyway, no, uh, don't apply anywhere I work. If you think bats lay eggs because I, because stupid. No, <laughs> no, sorry. Sorry. Anyway, that was inside. So. Uh, back to Highway Pinball, which has nothing to do with eggs, except for Alien and its pop bumper. Yeah. Caps. But we're not going to talk about the pop bumpers. Throwing my pin everywhere. Throw it. So, the interview with Pinball News, uh, what came out last night. This was Andrew, who he had seen the, all the pin side discussion. The, this Week in Pinball had already been out for a while. So, this was in response to a lot of that yeah. content. These are the elements I thought were most noteworthy based off of what we've already discussed here, Tony. So, number one, 
He claims he never lied to customers, just unforeseen problems constantly kept messing up the timelines. Again, I'm, I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised he would say that. I'm also not surprised if it would be true. I wouldn't be surprised if he just recorded himself saying two weeks and just put that as the answering machine's answer. So every time he called, it's like, two weeks. Yeah. I mean, it has become a running joke where his answer to everything seemed like two weeks. Uh, another highlight. Uh, he acknowledged that there were payment issues with Highway Pinball actually paying people and suppliers for parts. And that it was because of their financial position that they were in that he did have to juggle his the exact what was juggling juggling expenses with what money is available so you know do you pay for food or gas right but on a business level what happens when you're paying off your visa with your mastercard exactly you have to ask for a discover (laughs) that's right you're one of those people (laughs) but i get cash back no one cares because no one takes it just accept this okay (laughs) another point he did acknowledge he did he did pay a salary to himself. How much was the salary? He said in the fourth year of operations it was forty thousand pounds a year. In the fifth year it was forty five thousand pounds. So that was the official salary. He qualified this because he said that did not include him loaning his own money back to the company to give them cash so they'd have capital to work with. So that his actual take on those years was more on the order of twenty five to thirty thousand pounds versus the forty to forty five thousand. But that is what it is. That's a little I mean, that doesn't sound generous. Not overly. Um but of course he he has share he had shares in highway, so if they had been successful there would have been something you'd think on the back end, but because that's what forty thousand pounds current conversion rates fifty four thousand dollars a year. Mm-hmm. No, it's not high dollar amount, but I think part of the issue that some might take with it is a lot of business owners when they're trying to get their business established, paying themselves a salary is a lower priority than any. Obviously, they need to be able to live, right? But that the priority is making sure all your employees are paid. And all that other stuff. Was his salary one of the ones, one of the things being juggled, or was his one of the ones that was solid noise? Well, he didn't. Well, he didn't say. I'm guessing that his salary always got paid to him, but he he would counter by saying, "But I had to keep taking some of that money and loaning it back to the company so that it could actually do other things." So uh, there was also he talked a bit about Dave Sanders. For those that don't know Dave. He is the pinball designer who developed Full Throttle and did most of the design for Aliens. Aliens star, Alien Pinball started with Dennis Nordman. He left very early in the process. And so the design is really Dave's design at this yeah. point. Okay. Dave's been pretty open on forums talking about how he didn't get paid at all. Like he got practically nothing. And so there was even a GoFundMe that's been running recently. I know it already met its, its level when I looked, but to get him some funding to get by on, cause he's just, he just, he has nothing. And that, of course, has probably been what's caused outside of the collapse of the company itself has been what's probably most discussed. This was very odd. So because Andrew spoke about it at, at length in or wrote about it at length in the interview with Pinball News. Uh, and he said that Dave chose to work voluntarily for the company and that Dave had specific reasons that Andrew would not go into 
for wanting to be considered a volunteer rather than an employee. And ultimately, royalties were what Dave was expecting to get for his work. And it was, uh, there's, there's more, there's more detail there. People can go and read it if they want. It's, it was more like Andrew and Dave were in conflict. Andrew wanted to give him more stock options instead. Dave was more interested in royalties. I don't know how it ultimately shook out. And it sounds like there was supposed to be some sort of contractual arrangement on the royalties with the new investor group. But Andrew doesn't know if that happened or didn't happen. The whole voluntary status thing, uh, I don't get it. I don't know what the way, again, Andrew did not make a claim. The way it was phrased in writing to me was suggesting that there may have been governmental benefits in play. And he was suggesting that Dave was trying not to lose access to benefit packages from the government. And he would if he was an employee. That was the first thing that came to my mind. Yeah. The way, if you read how it's written in pinball news, it almost, it, I, I, he didn't accuse, he didn't make a claim at all. So I can't say Andrew accused him of anything, but the way it reads, it just, it was phrased in such a way that it really suggests that that was what was going on. Uh, regardless, uh, he, he does, he does have an explanation about why Dave never actually got a paycheck. But he says that's that was Dave's choice. He didn't pressure Dave to not be an employee. Dave didn't want to be one. And I don't know what... Dave but, chose to not yeah. make money. And I have not yet seen if, if Dave has a response to that or what. Uh, the whole thing's really convoluted, obviously, when you're dealing with all these weird contract structures for royalties and stuff. But anyway, it, it's caused a lot of uh, consternation for people because they're a lot, you know... No, it, again, it has these weird echoes to Zidware and people who didn't get their payments didn't get their games, didn't get their money. The program, you know, the programmer, uh, zombie Yeti for his art didn't get, you yeah. Know, it was just, oh, you know, that's all the sad little echoes from all that. Uh, another, and another thing out of the interview that I thought was noteworthy was he claimed, uh, confidentially, confidentiality clauses were signed between him and the new investors when he was bought out of the company. So he was unable and, even as questions were asked about it further in the interview, most of the stuff regarding the transition, he would not comment on saying he's under NDA. So he cannot. Uh, Andrew did indicate he thinks the new investors, as we talked in our speculation earlier, yeah. he does. Th- he thinks that they never actually intended to save highway pinball. He thinks that the pinball brothers company was established to start transferring assets over to that entity, dropping the liabilities and that Highway Pinball was just continued on up until the Alien Pinball license would lapse. And then the Alien license is stuck over with Highway, but it's lapsed, so there's no value there anymore. And then liquidation time, get rid of whatever's left with Highway Pinball. I don't know. I was not able to see when the license was going to lapse. It sounds like originally the license was through the end of December 2017. Right. Whether or not they got an extension or we're selling without a license, or how long an extension was, don't know. And Andrew wasn't with the company anymore, so he doesn't. Okay, so that okay. so that's that. Uh, Andrew also noted he, and this one was this is a weird one. So I want I want to mention this a little bit. Uh, he indicated that he believes a rival there was a rival manufacturer that drove a sabotage campaign against Highway Pinball which he says 
sort of began or culminated or primarily occurred around the time of Pinball Expo 2016. In Andrew's mind, what happened was Alien Pinball was seen as such a threat to the status quo that people started sending out false bank information to customers telling them here's the account you need to send the money to it wasn't they weren't highway bank accounts they were other bank accounts illegal bank accounts set up to trap them and that there that there were also uh people that were going around saying that highway was unstable as a company that you can't trust them and trying to basically trying to convince people to back out of purchasing the new game he also cited two people one who's pretty active on Pinside and one who's a pretty active pinball podcaster as both being directly involved in a campaign to try and undermine sales of the game and that he's exploring legal options against both. <laughs> so, uh, and we were not the podcast. <laughs> Ever, everyone likes us because no one knows us. <laughs> we are the hashtag pewter standard. This is some like... Serious, like next level conspiracy theory. This makes no no sense to me. I was actually uh, I was uh, corresponding with Ryan, who was on last week. Mm-hmm. Oh, and thank you, Ryan. We've had very good feedback uh, on that episode, actually, because apparently he's funny, so it helped. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe that's implying we're not, but that's okay. The uh, anyway, he he had noted, you know, how did this rival manufacturer get the customer list? the pre-order list to know right. who to hit, hit up for bank. It, the, this, the note, I'm just, I can't wrap my mind around the notion of another, if it's a truly established quote unquote, real pinball manufacturer, not that they wouldn't sabotage, but sabotaging in like, in, in an illegal manner, right. like trying to bait people into sending money into offshore weird bank. I mean, I'm, I'm, he didn't say offshore. I thought I, I was buying I, an alien machine, saying, but apparently I was funding ISIS. Yeah, exactly. It's just, it's really weird. I could see something more along the lines of, Hey, look, here's a new upstart pin, pinball manufacturer. We don't like them. Let's contact our parts suppliers and tell them. You don't sell parts to them or we won't buy parts from you anymore. No, I can understand something like that. That's a way where you can undermine and sabotage without, you know, bank fraud. Right. But here's the thing. I've played aliens. Do you know what undermine and sabotages aliens? Bloody aliens. It's not that good of a game. Some people really like it, Tony. Some people really like everything, and some people are the type of people who, who, when there is something that they have, it's the best, no matter how terrible it is. They have the best cancer. Oh, ouch. Okay, uh, well, let me let me ask you this. Which is better, Full Throttle or Alien? Oh, man. That's hard. I mean, do you prefer... The full-blown liquid diarrhea, or do you prefer the kind of chunky diarrhea? Oh, Tony. This is so mean. I thought the little throttle shot fairly well. It was okay. I I really liked it when I tried it at a Texas Pinball Festival. Then when we got it on location, I liked it less the more I played it. Right. But that game was also broken all the time. It was completely broken. It had issues. It wouldn't launch the ball. It was a half piece of junk, time. which is why the operator got rid of it and didn't hold on to it 
long right. enough to get an alien kit, which was just as well because he'd never have gotten the kit. Right. Which was just as well because even if he had gotten a kit, he would still have to have upgraded the computer to run aliens. <laughs> what a terrible idea. A terrible idea. But no, I mean, I, I agree with you that I don't, I don't think alien is a great, it's not, it's not a top 100 game. No. Uh, maybe it's a top 200. I, I think the software behind alien is really good, but that geometry is not. It's just not, it's not a good geometry. It's a clunky game. And I don't think that the shots feel like it was what was originally intended. Right. But yeah, but that again, that's all just, that's just, a, you know, we think that's about all sorts of games. So. Right. We, we, we do. We're, 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 people know that there's games we don't like that people love. The thing is, is I that mean, if it was a truly great game, then maybe what was, ostensibly planned by the new investors could have happened. And we'll talk a little bit about that when we get to the end. Uh, the last piece from the interview I just wanted to note was that Andrew sort of in a summary challenged many of those reports and claims I mentioned earlier coming from This Week in Pinball's anonymous sources or on Pinside uh, regarding mismanagement. He just he just said most of those are inaccurate from disgruntled former employees. Yeah, no, he wouldn't have said anything else. That no, makes I sense. Think, I don't think so either. All right, so... Let's just, let's get to the part that is the fun part for us. And we, we kind of did a little bit of this as we were going along, but let's, let's talk about our thoughts. Alien Pinball. Is it finally super duper truly dead? Yeah. I, I don't see how. I mean, with the license going out and I've, I've seen, I went onto Pennside and I saw the people begging for a real manufacturer to buy the license and put the game out. And nobody's going to do that. Nobody's ever going to do that. And I don't see how anybody could believe that would ever actually happen. It's it's so far-fetched. Yeah. Uh, I mean, saying aside that, and I get it, some of you really care about this game or you really like it, you really love the theme, but it, it sounds so desperate. People, you need to let this stuff go. I, it's, <laughs> it's just for your own mental health. Let it go. Uh, it makes less sense for this game than many of the other games. Uh-huh. And let's just consider some of the issues here as to why this is not going to happen. First of all, it's highly questionable that Fox would ever, ever give this license over with this current model of a game. No way. It, I mean, I'm not saying they would never license in pinball again, but this has not done well. I, it, You would have to somehow convince them that it was worthwhile. Number two, you have to re-engineer the thing because the alien machines are a pile of crap. There have been a handful of people who have had no to relatively no problems with their alien games. That is not the common consensus. The common consensus is there are problems with the mechs. There are problems with the installations in general. Now, going to another manufacturer may get your quality control at the installation side up so that, oh, look, people remember to plug in the lights. But that's not the big problem. The big problem is that I don't think a lot of those mechanisms are actually designed to last. Right. They just didn't know any better. Because I don't think there were very many people over at Highway Pinball who knew how to do pinball. You know, it's a story as old as Atari. (laughs) Read my article over at (laughs) pinballnews.com. Atari. Failed. Very sad. Okay. So there's that. Uh, who, who Who would take it on? Of all existing manufacturers. No one needs it. The one that, the one manufacturer that tends to exhibit the most, uh, I'll use the word sympathy for the, for the community 
the most engaged one with the community is Spooky. They better not take this on. They're behind schedule as it is. Right. They've got a pile of games they need to make. I don't want them putting Total Nuclear Annihilation in suspension for this turd. <laughs> no, it's stupid. They already have a great game that they're building. And they've got their Alice Cooper game that they need to start building. There's no reason for them to get involved with this. Not to mention, it's a wide-body game as designed. Spooky doesn't build wide-bodies. Stern doesn't build wide-bodies. Dutch doesn't build anything. <laughs> We're not even going to go into the other manufacturers. The only one that does that builds wide bodies is Jersey Jack, and they've got enough of their own problems as it yeah, is. Yeah, they don't, they don't need to dig the hole deeper. What do you think about Pinball Brothers? Do you think that this was just a, a, a tool for the investors to protect themselves, or do you think they plan to be Highway Reborn, Phoenix from the Ashes style, and that that's why they did not let Deep Root buy the Queen theme? They're going to try and just, they're going to say, we're done. We have what we have. We're building Queen. It's going to be a Pinball Brothers product rather than Alien. That's possible, but in all honesty... I think it's more likely that Pinball Brothers is holding assets for the sheer purpose of selling the assets off for more than what would happen in a liquidation sale as they sell off highway. But why would they need to sell it at, sell it at, I mean, okay. So you're thinking maybe they'll sell, they'll it's, sell the I think assets. it's designed as a return on investment. Okay. It, it, it is the, we created this shell here. So as things are going downhill, we'll start slipping little bits of stuff over here. So once this collapses, we can make up our investment and maybe make a little tidy profit off of what is here mm-hmm. without trying to use it to build another company. I think if they, I can't honestly believe they want to build another pinball manufacturing company and try and enter the, the zone. Not, not with the limbo that is Dutch and how things have fallen apart and how things have been. I just can't believe that anybody would, would want to get into that business right now. <clears throat> your your angle makes sense for a lot of a lot of the I could see it working for if they've moved over any of the machinery and such. I I don't know on the the Queen license one confuses me. The license will ultimately expire. What manufacturer wouldn't just wait for them to lose it? Depends because they're going to lose it. It depends upon the terms. Uh, I, there's no, I just, I just don't see it because there's no immediacy to Queen. I, yeah. I mean, if anyone really wanted it right away, like for example, Deep Root, they would have contacted and said, here's what we're willing to pay. They didn't want to sell. They either think they're going to get more money from someone else or if it was, if it was, and it may be a license still under the highway name, it may fetch less money through liquidation than it would have if they had negotiated with Deep Root because sure. I'm going to assume it'll probably go like a bid process. And maybe he's the only one who bids, and he bids low because Stern has their next two years planned out, and you know it is what it is. But yeah, so I, I don't, I don't have a good read yet on on what the intention of Pinball Brothers is. I think even if they were planning to start manufacturing, though, they're going to have difficulties. I mean, we've already seen the difficulties that Deep Root is experiencing just because they have John Papaduke on a payroll with another. Uh, you know, he's one out of four or five designers on list. This would be a company that people are going to go into it going, you, if they did it like that, I think a lot of people would say you deliberately let Alien fail so that you could try and have a fresh start. Why should we trust you? Why would we buy from you? Right. I don't, I don't know. 
So that's why it seems you, it seems like a weird strategy if that's right. the intent. So so uh, as, a, as a final element to to all of this discussion, I thought it might be a fun time to talk about fun sort time. of the the st- uh, you know failure results in reflection, or it should. Maybe people who constantly fail don't do that. But I thought it would be a good time to sort of reflect upon the status of, of other companies. So let's start with the, with our big dog and, and Stern. What do you think about Stern in the just in this wake of financial troubles, difficulty building machines that we're seeing with Highway and, and the already couple already complete collapse of it? How how do you think Stern is doing? Stern is still, as it's always been, the queen of the ball, and I'm sure. That if you ask Stern what they thought about Highway, their very first answer would be, who? <laughs> oh, you don't think they thought of them as a serious threat, huh? I don't think <laughs> they thought of them at all. Given how many games went out, I think that probably would have been at least a fair, a fair <laughs> approach. A fair approach. Um, yeah. You know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm really pleased with my Empire Strikes Back theming that I've run with. It's like, it's like I've themed prom for Stern and it's Empire Strikes Back. And every episode where we talk about anything pinball. So all episodes, all I think is, wow, my foresight is great. I am the pewter standard. This is awesome. I we're, am the pewter standard. You know, a little bit of tin, malleable, all your figurines, they're pewter. You know, you'll, you love it. It's your, it's a real favorite metal. Um, yeah, no. The thing that I didn't expect is I just really thought that Stern was going to be advancing themselves this year. I didn't expect in any level of specificity that half of the battle would be everyone else shooting themselves in the foot or face, depending <laughs> depending on the degree of foul up. Press F to pay but, respect. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. But with the with the Broad-based success and excitement around Iron Maiden, a level of excitement I haven't seen for a stern pin since Ghostbusters. But, Except for Ghostbusters had a really good theme in Iron Maiden. Right, right. Okay, but best. the difference is Ghostbusters, the controversy with it came to be a lot of people don't like how it played. A lot of people didn't like how it played. A lot of people didn't like how the rules were programmed and still don't like how the rules are from the lackluster final wizard mode to the ladder progression system. So far, the rules have been greeted by maybe at most confusion from people who aren't real players, but the competitive base loves it. The art package is just as good as Ghostbusters Mm -hmm. because, hey, Jeremy did both. (laughs) So that's not surprising. Yeah, no, the the art package is really good. And a lot of people are like, it's put back in some of that quality of life stuff, like service rails instead of the stupid little pegs, four flippers on a pro, spinners, multiple on a pro. It's just stuff that people were missing for a while. Right. Yeah, it doesn't have a bash toy in it, but some people don't care about that. Some people aren't all about well under glass. You know, they play. <laughs> They're players. As long as it plays well, it doesn't matter what it looks like. To some, it still does, but to a lot, it does not. Yes. Uh, spooky. What are your thoughts on, on, on this financial status of Spooky? Because we don't know. We just have to guess. I think that... The delays Spooky put in place due to working uh, total annihilation into their lineup, I think it's it's I think it hurts them this year for what people think. But quite frankly, the shift to the P Rock system, I think in the end they're going to end up ahead because of the changes they've put into play. 
We, I mean, come on. Alice Cooper sold out. Everything Spooky does sells out. It, it, it's a given. And it doesn't matter how, how terrible the game ends up being. They've sold out their run. People love them. Now, I hadn't heard that Alice Cooper has actually sold all 500 units yet. Oh, I just assumed. Well, I'm, 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 I, I don't, I'm, I don't know that it has. You're the researcher. I'm the, I'm, I, don't, I, I, I don't know. I just, everything else they've done has sold out so quickly. It, it and there's has. been so much good buzz for Alice Cooper, though, though, the, the actual what I've played and then the actual call outs thing makes me not have any real interest in Alice Cooper. The, but, right. Well, I mean, it's been, it's been an interesting mix. I mean, and we, we've touched on this before because, we know people, we know operators, we know local players who think very, very little of Spooky. But yeah. they will never say it publicly. No. That you cannot, That's it's the American dream, everyone likes Charlie, if you criticize him, you're going to get ripped apart. So they just stay silent. Spooky but, is the third rail of pinball. In some ways. Spooky is the social yeah. security of pinball. So it's, it's, it's so, in some ways. Uh, but... The Alice sales have definitely been slower than Rob Zombie's were, which sold out of the 300 within a week, if I remember. Right. And a lot of people that I know who had experience with Rob Zombie have said that they think so many people got burned on Rob Zombie that they're being really cautious now. So while they may publicly still have, you know, the same full-throated support of Spooky that they always have had, that the, you know, the criticisms of concern about the build quality criticisms about that once you won't have the game your customer support level is subpar compared to what you get from other manufacturers Mm -hmm. that those things are holding some people back from wanting to invest in another machine from that particular company regarding alice cooper specifically i think it looks best of any of the pure spooky titles that have been i think the shift of the p-rock makes a lot of sense from getting it to get it to the next level visually with in terms of the screen interactions, because they were starting to look like the worst in the industry at that. Right. And it's, it was a board set issue. So I think that made a lot of sense. Obviously they fell behind because of the need to code, but they are so far behind on the production versus the purchase orders for total nuclear annihilation that they have plenty of time to get that up to snuff. It just depends when they want to go onto the line and start doing the Alice. Cooper's. Right. Because I think I've lost my bet, and they have finally passed the 50% of the worst-performing street level on sales of Total Nuclear Annihilation. However, they still have not built 200 of them, even though they have definitely sold over 400 in the terms of the numeric count. Right. They're still they're still in the building stage, and they're and that's just going to slow down when they right whenever they but decide as long to pull as that demand exists because they didn't cap that one. I think financially as a company. They'll be okay. Yes. They, I, I understand and believe Charlie when he said that the profit margin on total nuclear annihilation is a lower amount than they normally would accept, but it's still profitable. Right. So that they're doing that. I think they'll be just, I think they'll be okay because that demand is high. Now, patience isn't infinite, even for a game that plays that well. There was already a thread where someone was confused and then there were starting to be complaints because the average sale price of total nuclear annihilation on Pinside, I think is $1,400. People are selling their pre-order spots because they're sick of waiting and they're, and it's, it's non-refundable. It's thousand dollars non-refundable. And it's, it's a six month plus wait to get a game now. So some people are like, 
well, I have a spot that isn't going to be that far behind. If you want to take number 227, I'll sell it to you, but not for a thousand. I'll sell it to you for 1400 so you can jump the line. Yeah. Okay. That's fine. If somebody wants to do that, they can do that. Sure. Sure. I, I mean, it was people were like, they wanted, they wanted a way so that the, that wouldn't say that's what the game sale price average was. Right. It wasn't a criticism. People who were trying to make a little bit of money off of their pre-order spot, but. That is a, it's not so much a financial issue, but it's a fundamental challenge. It's the challenge I think that Spooky has that's the biggest challenge that I also don't think they're really addressing. And that is their production speed is not adequate. Right. And people won't wait forever. But enough people will wait long enough that I don't think it's devastating. But this is the way they're choosing to grow the company is prohibiting, in my view, is prohibiting that line from moving at the speed it should be moving. Yeah. I don't think Spooky's going anywhere. I, I don't either. I, I, I think I their think model is very it's very conservative. Yes. I would even I would even argue it's too conservative. That they could have so much better growth. Uh but they don't want to take there are certain risks they don't want to take. And hey, it's their business, so that's it's their right to do it's right their right to do. But because of that, you don't and it's why I don't see them doing alien it's like they can only do so much. You need to understand that they might have all the good intentions in the world, but what's the point in building four games a year, four different, you know, four different games in a year when production wise, your output can only be 500 units a year or something? Right. You're, that's your limiting. That's your bottleneck. And if they're not willing to expand the line, that bottleneck will not change. Very true. Multimorphic, the P3 platform. They are going to continue doing what they're doing. I I think they'll be okay. They'll keep putting out a couple. I mean, I mean, let's face it. Their income stream isn't putting out the P3. Exactly. This P Rock, a highly successful board set. Right. I mean, so they'll be fine. I agree. Uh, even if they never sold another P3, they'd be fine. Yeah. Their revenue diversification uh, has protected them. So yeah, I don't see any issue with them. Yeah. Uh, home pen. I'm not going to say they're dead, but without an actual interesting title that actually gets a decent wide release, they are nowhere near even the level of safe or interest that there is with a spooky. Yeah, on, on the pinball side, I agree, uh, and I, I know that the, the Mike, the the guy who owns Home Pen. When he knew, he knew the theme would not have an appeal in the United States. Uh, but much like multimorphic, though, per- perhaps not to the, I, I don't know. I don't know enough about his business, but they do arcade cabinets and have for years. They do right. arcade games. So I think it's sort of like multimorphic. They've got a diversified revenue stream. They don't need the pinball side. And so he may have ultimately wanted to be more known for being a pinball company than uh, someone who's making new versions of old Hankin games. But with that, I think he's got plenty of time to take it at whatever pace he wants. Right. And we'll, and yeah, I know next to nothing about Thunderbirds. I'm more interested in seeing whatever the game number two is and if it can come out faster than what it took to do the first game. Thunderbirds are bro. <laughs> I'm telling you, Team America. Bucko five multiball. <laughs> uh, American pinball. Hans Bricks. <laughs> you know, Houdini. It's got tight shots. Have you heard that it has tight shots? I've heard it has tight shots. It does. It has tight shots. It's got tight shots. So what do you it's think? Nice... I think American pinball it has managed to recover 
from their initial stumble way better than I ever expected of them. I am 100% confident. Okay, 100% is hard. I'm 90% confident that we will see a game number two from them. I don't think there's anything that's happened that's going to make them collapse and go away this year or honestly probably next year. Now, their long term, it's completely going to depend upon game two and perhaps game three if they exist, if we still see American in five years. I think that's where the question is. I mean, Houdini's not been, not from what I've heard, it's not been like an Iron Maiden, but it's not been uh, nothing. Uh, it's out there. People have been buying it. People enjoy it. So I think that they are in a, they are in a good position to survive and possibly move into actually thriving, but they've got to get solid hits with their next couple games. Mm. I think that makes a lot of sense. The The biggest issue I've been hearing about lately with American pinball is that their production speed is not great. Right. Now, I do think it sounds like enough of the game has come out that they're not really struggling in this. I think their production rate may be higher than Spooky's production rate, but otherwise they're probably just about the slowest. Um, but yeah, in terms of, I, I just, I don't know. I don't know how deep of a pockets the investor is. Obviously, some of the way they've set it up is they've got other businesses that the family is involved with that's supplying some of the parts and stuff. So there's sort of like this vertical integration thing going on. So that kind of helps the viability because some of that money that looks like is going out of that company is going into other family companies that are doing the board sets and stuff. So that that adds to like you're not really losing as much as you might look like you're losing. Right. And it also helps that, I mean, you still have we still have to. Rewind everything back and take a look at it. And there's the simple fact that they said, here's the game we're going to put it out. And the game came out. Not, hey, we're going to start taking pre-orders on this game. This game will be out in two years. And four and a half years later, maybe the game comes out. Maybe. I mean, they're in a much better position from a startup uh, situation than a lot of the other people we've seen in the past. Even some of the ones that are still around and are arguably doing quite well for themselves, they're in a better position than a lot of those, at least at this point. I do think that if Oktoberfest is their next game, that it will be a setback for them. That it will sell worse than Houdini did. I think you're right. And I don't think that's healthy for them. I think they need to have a more popular title for the next game. Right. And I mean, unless, well, here's the thing. Just like we talked about earlier with Dialed In, even if it's an amazing playing game, in this day and age, the non-licensed route, non-knowledge route isn't going to go as big. And quite frankly, Oktoberfest is going to be beer and I would assume scantily clad women and that just doesn't play the game like it used to. This isn't the seventies. Mm. Yeah, I just as holidays go, it's just not. It's just not important enough, is what I would chalk it up to. You, you'd have better luck with a Christmas pin, right? Uh, just because it's more popular. It's just more popular. But, you know that that is what it is. That's still just a quote unquote. Rumor. Let's be honest. You'd probably have more luck with a Cinco de Mayo pin than you would an Oktoberfest. It'd pin. be more fun. In my view, but, <laughs> but what do I know? Uh, Chicago gaming. Th- this one um, interesting because I just as an aside, I 
when they didn't make the reveal of their remake number three at Texas Pinball Festival, I really thought that we would have seen the official announcement by now. I don't yeah. know what they're working on that they met. I mean, I guess it's good that they're taking as much time as they need. I don't see any necessarily a major reason for them to have to have it be an imminent announcement, but it really makes me wonder how far along they were if it they were so last minute in saying they weren't going to be at Texas and we still don't know officially. I think that, yeah, I, I, I expect to have heard about it. My guess is that they're pouring everything they've got into their current issues, but I don't know. What do you think of them uh, on a financial level? Do you think they're okay? I think they're okay. I do too. I think they're, I mean, I'm not saying, I'm not talking about, you know, oh yeah, round for decade, round for good, whatever. No, but I, this year, I think they'll be fine through the year, probably the next couple of years on all honesty. Yeah. Yeah. I, as long as they can continue to exploit the intellectual knowledge of others, right. and continue just to remake things that are already proven, nostalgia will drive the rest. Yeah. As long as they execute competently, I don't see any reason. Yeah. Uh, obviously, they started with the lowest hanging fruit, so each piece of fruit becomes a little higher and harder to reach. But that being said, there are plenty of popular Williams titles from the 90s, and with them only doing about a game a year, there's plenty. Yeah. They could la- they could last a decade as long as the hobby continues to ha- sustain this amount of demand right. uh, for old games to be remade new. So yeah, I think they'll be all right. Now, what about Jersey Jack? They're not going anywhere this year. Not this year. I think they're gonna they're gonna make enough off of uh pirates, provided they don't push it back another twelve years that they'll be fine through this round of game development. Okay. Now their next game, if it has the kind of issues They've been running into with pirates and the kind of stumbles. And if they continue to have the, yeah, start pre-ordering now. That game's going to be out next year. The year after that, three years from now, if they keep running into this stuff like they have in the past with what everything except dialed in, even then I think they'll probably be okay just because there's a certain portion of the community that worships them. For reasons that I don't understand. Mm. But I personally will see what happens. I think they'll be okay no matter what. I just think that they are in more. I mean, they've already been bailed out once. Right. Or twice. They, well, they, they have an, they have an investor. Right. That came in and did the, <clears throat> the did the bailout. Here, here's a, uh, I'm not as optimistic. Uh, now part of that is, I was listening to the most recent episode of this flippin' podcast with mm-hmm. Taylor and and uh, Tommy. Taylor was on with us mm-hmm. a, a few episodes back. And when Tommy was at, apparently, I, I didn't meet him there, but he was at Texas. And when he was at Texas, there were people who told him, they didn't tell me, I don't know if they told you or not, probably not, but given what you just said, but that Jersey Jack is not doing well financially. That dialed in did a lot worse than they had expected it to do and that they still have not turned a profit. That doesn't surprise me because it's not a theme game. So 
If the company, though, still isn't a profitable company, I don't know how long the investor stays in. Right. Would be my area of concern. I think that from, again, no one had discussed that, these elements with me. This was new to me to learn about. We obviously both had already been in agreement that dialed in mathematically should be the worst performing Jersey Jack game, despite it being the best game they ever made, because it's a collector oriented manufacturer on a theme that's not collectible. I mean, it's just, it's just that simple. It's that, it's that simple. Now. And then they followed up by choosing a terrible theme. I don't think any of the themes they have gone with are good. Hobbit was probably the best of the themes they picked because yeah. it was at the time they picked it a timely choice and also a classic book. Unfortunately, it's built around movies that weren't very good. And it took forever to actually come yeah, out. Yeah. And that kind by of. By the time it came that. out. The Hobbit, the, the, the Hobbit hysteria was over. Sure. And done. Just like by the time Pirates comes out, Pirates has been over for a decade. <laughs> nobody cares. <laughs> That's it. I mean, um, if they'd been smart, they would have gotten like a Fast and the Furious or, oh, I did it again. Or they would have gotten a Mission Impossible. I mean, Mission Impossible has more fans than Pirates of the Caribbean. And I think it would be a terrible fan. <laughs> Yeah, the it's given the uh the decision to drop the triple disc for the single disc and the treasure chest change we talked about with Ryan last yeah. time, I think that that's showing that they're desperate to get it on the line. Yeah, I don't disagree. While obviously it is possible to conceive that the engineers just don't have the capabilities to solve the problem or to solve the problem within whatever financial constraints they need to 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 get it to work. Right. I'd like to think maybe with enough time they could have solved it, but they're out of time. I think they're out of time. They wanted Q1 of 2018 to be the Pirates release. Obviously, we're past that. We're yeah. almost out of Q2. Mm-hmm. So I I don't know. But the I don't think Pirates is going to be a super successful game. I don't think so. And I think that Jersey Jack's entire model was a mistake. I think that their idea that they were only going to appeal to the high-end collector has put them in a very awkward position where they have to sell low volumes at high dollars. And they can put everything, every trinket under the sun. But as the prices have gone up, because understand Waz was originally, Wizard of Oz, for those that don't know Waz, uh, was originally listed at around like $6,500. We're so far past that now. A lot of people just will not buy their game. And a lot of operators don't see the return right. worth the risk. I have heard, I've not heard a confirmation, but it sounds like none of our area operators are going to give pirates a chance. That they're dialed in, yes. Dialed in, still on location. Yep. But it doesn't sound like they want to bother with pirates. And everything else is gone. Yeah. And I, 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 it makes total sense to me. I mean, that's the thing is, is they want to be high end. They want to be for the collector. And then they choose the dumbest themes. That's probably all they can afford to get. I mean, look at what happened with pirates. You were like, well, it's pirates of the Caribbean, but outside the play field art, you don't have the actors on the display. Mm-hmm. You don't have the actors doing call outs other than the one you brought in to do custom call outs, which was a good move, but you don't have the original music. Yeah. Uh, and everything does screen bargain basement. Yeah, it's like you got a, you got a license with no no assets almost. You got, I mean, you got the shit. I mean, I get it, but it's like 
There's so many other themes. I mean, Alien works better without the actors than this does. Right. Because at least you have the alien. That was the he only, didn't, he didn't the, want royalties. That's what really mattered. He just wants to get, he just wants to live in your tummy. So I think that, I still think that they've probably got one more game in them. Post pirates, you mean? Post pirates. Yeah. I, I, unless pirates flops even bigger than I, no, no. Than, than I, I think it's going I, to. I don't, I don't think that they are quote unquote going out of business. I think they're one bad game away from it. Right. And I don't know if pirates will be that bad game or not. Yeah. I think from what limited, obviously now very modified prototype that I played, it's not their worst playing game. No. It might be their worst theme choice aside from dialed in though. I, I don't know. I mean, I can see the argument. I don't, I don't know. Well, uh, but, what is your thought on actual? production of pirates do you see it by the end of the year do you see yes. it by the end of quarter yes. three I, I yes they might still act i mean we're going to be end of june is the end of the second yeah. quarter they might even make that they might still make that now that they've already shown what the what the new versions will be with the discs and stuff yeah i think that they probably have a lot of the parts and such ready to go i really do think well i don't think it's going to be delayed i think they've learned that i don't think they can afford to, to delay do what anymore. happened with Hobbit and Waz ever again. Right. And that they know it's a black eye, that they're already slipping compared to how dialed in, which was so relative for them. Tight. Right. It was still like a six-month gap between reveal and release. Right. Whereas Stern is like, here's your dead flip gameplay. We're shipping at the end of the week. But Stern can afford to do that. Yes, but they're a professional manufacturer. Exactly. Jersey Jack is seen as the number two player in this industry. But when it comes to manufacturing, you see things like this and you're like, is this a Mickey Mouse manufacturing line? What What's going on? It seems like they have everything else down. They got a great coder. They have good designers. Mm-hmm. They have license acquisition setups. They're at the shows. They're really good at selling. It's, but they just don't build well. Right. Well, and I think, and also... One of the things that we have to remember, and I think everybody needs to remember, is Stern has enough depth in field and enough depth in finances that they can play stuff close to the chest. I mean, come on. Everybody knew about Iron Maiden for the last year and a half, Mm -hmm. and Stern gets to go, I don't know what you're talking about. No. Titanium Man. No clue. I mean, we've, we're working on a Titanium Man project, but I, I don't know what you're talking about. It, nope, no idea. It's, it's completely, and that doesn't hurt them in any way, shape, or form. They don't have to set out there and, 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 and pimp themselves out and say, Hey, we're still here. We're working on stuff. Here's what we're working on. Look how awesome this is. Stern's like, yeah, yeah. You liking that Aerosmith? Cool. You liking that Guardians of the Galaxy? Cool. Yeah, Star Wars was kind of weak. We know. We acknowledge that. But, you know, there's stuff coming. We've got great people. You know what? Why not? Here, look, here's Iron Man. Oh, you got, you guys aren't surprised that we had Iron... Or, or not Iron Man, but here's Iron Maiden. What? You guys aren't surprised that we had Iron Maiden? Well, I am shocked. But here it is. It looks lovely. If you want to buy one, you can have it next week. Mm-hmm. I mean... It just gives them so much power and so much muscle in, in the system that they can do stuff like that where JJP has to, they have to go out and say, this is what we're doing. It's awesome. Look at us. I'm here. Mommy, mommy, pay attention to me. Mommy, 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 mommy. I mean, that's what they have to do so they stay relevant. Yeah. 
I mean, they they do have an issue with that their their li- their themes purportedly have leaked as well, and so that also causes a problem for them because I know there are people that are clearly holding out, saying, "Where's Toy Story? Where's your good license? I want Toy Story." How long has the Toy Story leak license? For years. For years. How long do you think that license actually was going to last? I, have no idea. I would think if that license was going to happen, we would have seen it by now. They're not mm-hmm. playing that one in their vest. That is a license that somebody leaked and they don't actually have. Mm-hmm. Or it's a license that they were on the edge of having and it leaked and Disney went, whoop, no thank you, we're out. We'll have to see. Uh, the last company to discuss I, that I wrote down. Apologies <laughs> if I dropped any, because sometimes I do. Dutch pinball. Financial status. <laughs> Tony, Dutch. You know, Big Lebowski. Hey, it's a cult classic. I love that movie. White Russians. Dutch is dead. Dutch is dead. It, it, it's seriously, I mean, at this point, it, it, it's random electrical impulses making the body flip, but they're dead. Yeah, it, yeah, it's it's been interesting because this is the one that made me think about doing discussing all of these because it's come up in some of the Big Lebowski Dutch pinball discussion forums. Hey, look at what's happened with Highway. What's going on with Dutch? They're not giving they, they got really good for a while with I mean, the, the updates said nothing, but they were at least doing weekly updates. They haven't right. been doing that lately. Anytime there's an update, it's always well, there's a delay with the prototypes now. We're getting ready to manufacture. I agree with you that this company is, is dead, uh, and it feels a lot like a less successful highway. Mm-hmm. Because at least while highway was in these the throes of failure, games did still go out. Terribly built, constantly problematic, with no instruction games, but they went out. Dutch hasn't shipped anything out for over a year, more like a year and a half at this point. And all of the challenges that we were talking about with Highway Pinball before they announced liquidation are just as true for Dutch Pinball. Mm-hmm. What was the big, I, I don't know in your, in your case, in my case, the big example when new investors came in where I thought you just miscalculated was where they said, okay, if people want a refund, we'll give a refund. And then they had to acknowledge they didn't have enough money to give everyone refunds as the refunds kept pouring in. And their strategy was to try and convince people to stay bought into their alien by raising the price, what, $1,000 or, or $1,500 or so, we'll say 1000 if you wanted to get back in. It's like, well, I'll give you your refund, but if you want to get alien later, it's going to be $1,000 more to get, to get alien. And some people fell for it. And um, yeah, I'm sure it worked on some people. Some people always go with a little mantra, well, I just want my game. I just want my game. I don't really want my money. I I love the game. I love the theme. I just want my game. But it's the same thing with Big Lebowski, except the dollar amounts are even worse. It's like, if you pre-ordered in, we're not giving you any refunds at all. It's, you paid, what, $8,000. It's $10,000 to buy the game now. See, that's the issue. When when Highway raised the price by that much, I mean, by $1,000, you just took a lot of potential buyers off the table because you just priced out. Yep. Big Lebowski is a JJP pricing tier. And maybe you think it's worth it. I know a lot of people think that of all these borderline games, the Full Throttles and the Aliens from the Boutiques, the Rob Zombies and Alice Coopers, that Big Lebowski is the best plane of them all. And I've never played it, so I have no comment on that. 
That said, that's a tall order for you to tell me that a game that old is a $10,000 game. And Dutch has acknowledged that the only way they will be able to satisfy the pre-orders is to sell new units. I just don't see how it works. It's not going to happen. It's Look. math. It's math. I don't see how you get enough people to to build out all the pre-orders as you've squandered the rest, rest of the money sitting here. You're sitting and the money just goes down. I've lived this. This is the Robotech Kickstarter. It's exactly what it is. Occasional news updates. We're still working on it. It's coming. We promise it's on the way. We swear it's going to happen. It's exactly what sure. it is. There is no difference. No. It, it's the exact same thing. No. And, I mean, like anything else, you get burned. The difference is, is I got burned for, you know, a little bit. And other people got burned for tens of thousand dollars. Yeah. And uh, and that's the thing that amazes me just overall in in pinball is how many people... How many people keep getting burned for this kind of money? Got burned on the, I mean, and I want to know, I really, I, I have a deep seated interest. I want to know how many people got burned on Magic Girl, got burned on Raza, got burned on Predator, got burned on Aliens, got burned on, 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 uh, on, uh, Big Lebowski. How many people got burned on multiple of these machines? Are there a certain, group of people that just keeps walking into this like like a moth to the flame or is it just that as some people learn other people come into the hobby and are like oh sure this sounds great mm. yeah i i don't i've seen some people who've self-reported that they they've been stuck in in some of this multiple times uh and the reasoning for it it i think it varies there have been some there are some people who are Almost obsessive, and they're not always the ones who buy in on this because there, there are others that meet this category. And I don't, I don't approve of the tactic. I get the motivation, I, but they're almost shills for boutiques that they want every boutique to succeed. Uh, and there are a lot of people that, that have that stance. There are other podcasts that have that stance of we want every manufacturer to, we, we're hoping and cheering for every manufacturer to succeed, which is fine. Uh, that's not my stance. I right. don't I don't care if you succeed or fail. I like to think that I'm on the consumer side. If I have to pick a side, all I'm doing is responding whether or not you're succeeding or failing in my view. Yeah. If you do well, I'll say you do well. If you do poorly, I'll say you do poorly. I'm not really vested though in whether you do succeed or not, if that makes sense. I I just don't I don't I don't want to sit and sound as so callous as for me to say I don't care, but I kind of don't care. Is it cool to have multiple manufacturers? Yeah, they can produce, but only then. Right. And then, you no. know, it is, it is what it is. But there have been others that I think, a lot of this, like the pre-order stuff, I think, for some people, that really came out of that whole Big Bang bar when they made the 200 units and all that. And so, and you looked and you saw like what happened with Stern's Tron limited edition and stuff. And some people were playing the lotto here where they're like, we're going to try and get this boutique game and then I'll be able to flip it and make a lot of money. We saw it with the Magic Girls, the box of lights that came out initially, they yeah. were selling for 10 to 20,000 above sticker. That didn't last long. No. There because were a couple of people got because, real lucky. Because in most cases, other than the really, truly, highly, highly rare items, and even sometimes with those, uh, gameplay still tends to factor in more than rarity. 
Yeah. That's why it's always funny when you go on Craigslist and you see something that had a, a less than a thousand units and the person's like super ultra rare game. And it's like, dude, that doesn't make that game worth $2,500. You're lucky it to get 500 for it because it plays like crap. Yeah. And most of the people who want it want it because of how it plays. They don't want your original theme that didn't sell. There's nothing, there's nothing special about it. Do you know how many less than 1000 pins there are? Hundreds, hundreds, plenty to choose from. You'd have to just find the right person who just wanted that one concept. Yeah. But so that's what I kind of think is is going on. But yeah, there are some people that have walked into the prop multiple times. <laughs> Let's go ahead and punch through the last two pinball things here real quick. Uh, slam the top 101 to 200. It's the game. The game we played one time. And now dead. Never play again. Probably not. We it played with Ryan. It was so the, hard. For those I didn't Why'd you get a good yeah. game and I got freaking fair? None out. of the games were good. That's why we did the top 101 to 200. Look, you talk, take it up with random.org and ask about their algorithms if you have a problem with it. <laughs> uh, but for those that didn't listen, uh, on the last episode, we played a game based off of head to head podcast slam the top 100, except we did it way better with way harder games. And Ryan had Capcom's Airborne. Tony had uh, Williams Farah and Pharaoh. Pharaoh. Sorry, Farah. I, I, I got my I, I got my Overwatch uh, Overwatch on my brain, and I had Starship Troopers. And so, because it was a poll of three, we I ended up using uh, Google Forms to let people go do the vote, and the vote results came in, and I won. Yay! I had sixty percent of the vote. Ryan had forty percent, and Tony had zero percent. I didn't even vote for myself. <sighs> so that was Slam the Top 101 to 200. We already put those results on Facebook. So the last thing in the pinball segment is the other game, our real game that we've been playing. Tony's brainchild, the worst of the fall of the <laughs> pinball machines of 1994 to 1999. So, Tony, what's going on with this? Round three results are really not overly surprising. Um, we'll just go ahead and just start at the top and go down. Uh, Popeye saves the earth, uh, beat Guns N' Roses. No surprise there. Uh, Freddy and Nightmare on Elm Street beat Rescue 911. That one was pretty tight. That one was like 53%. Uh, Shack Attack beat Strikes and Spares, for which we thank all of you since Strikes and Spares is apparently not a pinball game. Yep. I mean, followed through on our request. Uh, Barbed Wire beat Mario Andretti because, yeah, it should. Barbed Wire's a terrible game. Mm. Uh, Lost in Space beat South Park, which I think is how we voted last time. It was. Yeah. Uh, Star Wars Trilogy tied with Space Jam. Yeah, our first tie of this tournament. I've not really been overly surprised because a lot of this stuff has been pretty obvious, but... Uh, we went ahead, we broke the tie, Dennis tallied everything up and just sent me a random message in the middle of the day, evens are odds. Yeah. So, <laughs> I, was just, I was just like, okay, whatever, I didn't even know what it was about, so I picked evens. So, uh, Space Jam wins and moves on. Yep. Uh, Viper Night Drive and beat Star Wars Episode One. no yeah. surprise to me. Nope. And World Challenge Soccer beat Harley Davidson, which also wasn't really a surprise. No, I don't think, I don't think so. So we're going into round four. We're getting down, getting down into the real nitty gritty here. So first part of round four, our choices are Popeye saves the Earth versus Freddy. Dennis, what do you think? 
I have now finally watched actual gameplay of all the games still in that I had not yet had familiarity with or could remember well. And so I've now spent some time reviewing how Freddy plays and what its geometry is. I understand that it's pretty easy to exploit that you attack the furnace repeatedly. That's the scoring strategy. Layout-wise, both of these games have some pretty unique features. Popeye also has exploits in terms of being able to get into the multi-ball and exploiting the skill shot and such. Uh, Popeye moves on for me because it's awful. It's awful. It's wide. <coughs> it's slow. Most of the stuff doesn't work. The uh, The arc is not a good concept. It hurt William so bad. Freddy is. I, I like. I like. Hey, one with the arc is not a good concept, as opposed to saying you can't see the ball because half that's the why it's game. not yeah, a I good concept. I understand, but I appreciate the way you the stupid the animal loading thing it. on the left. It's just. It's not fun. No one wants to be playing that game. There are a few people who pretend it's good because they want to be contrarian. That's fine. Whatever you get enjoyment out of from pinball, Freddy is probably one of the better DMD games from Gottlieb, from what I've seen. So. Popeye is my vote. I agree. I think Popeye's the worst game of the two. Okay. And I don't need to go into reasons because no, you, you covered don't. it pretty well. I tried. All right. Number two, The Shack Attack versus Barbed Wire. I'm actually going to go Barbed Wire. I felt bad about this because I heard from peep other players that Shack Attack is a terrible game. So I watched it and... I can kind of see why people, some of that is there's a call out with an announcer. You can turn that way. I don't know if you can turn it off, but you can turn it so it's much less sporadic than it, by default, apparently it's telling you where to shoot constantly. It's just like, Hey, listen, Navi style annoying. <laughs> Setting that aside, geometrically, I think it's a better game than barbed wire. And I had, unfortunately, I've played barbed wire and had an absolute terrible experience. I tried not to judge it too harshly off of that, but I just think there's more interesting things going on with Shack Attack. So I'm voting barbed wire to move on. Yeah, I am too. I, 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 I have done as you had because I knew we were getting down to the point where some of these games we hadn't played were going to be important choices in it. So, but at the same time, barbed wire is just so terrible. It is. That's sad. It's so, so sad. Next is Lost in Space versus Space Jam. We have a space battle. We do. We have a battle of space. Yeah. Space. I, um, gosh, these two are so dull is what near as <laughs> I could tell. Uh, and my brother-in-law sent us a note because he's pretty sure at least one of us had played Space Jam before. I just, I didn't remember it. So I, I went and I watched Brody, you even pinball had a whole huge stream. They recorded like two hours on it. So I watched, I watched all two hours because you could have watched the movie in that. No matter I life. could have. And so I looked at that and it's sort of like a six of one half dozen of another. I'm still, I'm picking lost in space. I still think it's pedestrian, repetitive multi balls, just that there's nothing creative going on. Lost in Space is actually listed as a higher sale value on Pinside, and that's just because I'm sure that they made so many fewer Lost in Space games. And when I played it, I understood why. Yeah, I'm going to go with Lost in Space as well. It's, I think it's going to be a toss-up. I think this is going to be one of the close ones mm. next time. It could be. But Maybe tied again. Space could be. tied last time. But I think I, I think Lost in Space is definitely the worst of these games. 
Now that said, the new Lost in Space series that came out on Netflix, that show's actually really good. Hmm. Okay. So it, it, I, I, I quite enjoyed that. Well, maybe someone will retheme this game. To make it, yeah, that'll be... <laughs> they won't. It's a... The game would still suck is the problem, even if the art was nice. There's a completely, I mean, it's on top, it's off topic of pinball and this and that, but there's turned into this entire meme going around about the new Lost in Space show. And it's something I had not noticed, but other, apparently other people have noticed. The big thing with the new light Lost in Space show is apparently the robot has a really nice butt. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And that's just like this running meme that I've started seeing when I've looked lot stuff up on Lost in Space lately. Is it's just pictures of the robot's butt going, Wow, alien robots have better butts than most people. <laughs> it's it's alien robot science. <laughs> and um our final one this round is Viper Night Driving versus World Challenge Soccer. Viper. Viper is not good. Viper's it, terrible. It's so bad. It is. It's really bad. We had it on location. It it was bad. It did not last long. It lasted too long as it did. <laughs> uh, I guess it was a worthy experiment, and the experiment showed that it needed to be <laughs> it needed to be euthanized as a game. The experiment failed. It did. Sometimes experiments fail. That's how we learn. Yep. We so, learned the science that Viper's a terrible game, and I'm voting for Viper. Yep. So we agreed on all four. We matchups. did. Nice. Okay, well, a link in the show notes for people to vote. Let's go ahead and uh, move out of the pinball segment and into video games. And Yay! Tony, I'm going to let you kick off here. Uh, start telling us about Battletech, because that's definitely been the game that got the most time put on, in on it this week. You could say so. Battletech came out on April 24th, so last Tuesday. And since the day it came out, I have put 41 hours into this game. Um, I do understand I'm an insane person, but this game is actually quite enjoyable. Uh, it's even better than I thought it would be. And it's been getting really good reviews online, uh, with a few caveats and the caveats are to be expected. Uh, I know from an AMA that they're up over a half million units sold, which would mean that this is a pretty good size success for this for a game all in all. It's a big enough success that there is definitely DLC uh, coming. There's definitely going to still be heavy patch support coming, and they've even already talked about some. Um, how do they put it? Free LC, free LC coming. So this game is definitely not dead. It has picked up a lot of supporters from like the XCOM and XCOM 2 community because the of the being the turn-based squadish combat. Now, <clears throat> this game is very different from XCOM and I I put a video of the beta up last year sometime uh in on our YouTube channel, but it is still a while it's very different than XCOM, the overall feel of the game, it still kind of scratches that similar itch. Uh, except for an XCOM, it's like, oh, I need to put my guy into cover to avoid, so hopefully he doesn't get shot because he's got four health. In Battletech, your mechs have, 
you get evasion. So the more you move, the farther you move, the more evasion hatches you get. They're like little chevrons that appear next to the battle mech's name. And then if you're like in trees, you get cover and there's, and there's abilities you can use that will give you, you know, guarded or, or, or entrenched. So you take less damage because that, that kind of damage mitigation is very important because otherwise you just get smashed. And because of how they've got this stuff set up in this game, like I lost all, I, I've lost multiple pilots killed. Um, one of the pilots I lost killed was simply because of bad timing. Yeah, they were the last pilot I moved in my turn. And the enemy had several mechs that were slower than me. So they got to attack next. And their very first attack knocked my pilot down because I wasn't paying close enough attention. I didn't put them in guarded to reduce their unstable because they were unstable. Instead of putting them into guarded so they'd reduce their instability, I moved and attacked with her. And they knocked her down. And the next two mechs after her and the two mechs that they had that were faster than any mechs I had all just wailed on her and just blew her apart. And there was no way for me to stop it other than me sitting there going, no, 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 please, no. So, I mean, it's, it's got some harsh, uh, levels. Now, there are some issues, uh, like I said earlier, when it originally launched, um, they had not built it around the concept of the ultra wide monitor, which doesn't affect me, but it affects some people and they were pretty much unable to play because they, they couldn't play it in any ultra wide monitor, uh, uh, settings. Uh, that's being patched, fixed in patches. Uh, some people have had some crash issues. Um, I know I had some issues that I thought was the game at first, and it turns out that I just, uh, when I updated my video drivers, I borked my system because I was, I got, I was upset because I couldn't play. So I went to play something else and I, I couldn't play any other games. And I got to looking into things. I had to do a complete delete and completely get rid of all of my video drivers and do a fresh, clean video driver install before I could play any games because I just totally messed my video drivers up somehow uh, with the installation. I don't know how. But the game itself is... It has a much larger depth than just the Battlefield Tactical Combat like we saw when I posted the video out of the beta. It has um, an entire... Me, uh, a mercenary, since you're a mercenary, you're doing an entire mercenary support and you take contracts that are not just story contracts. You can take other contracts. You can build up your money. You, you need to build up your money. You need to build up your mechs. You need to build up your spare parts, uh, to keep all of your stuff, uh, in working order. And it's got an actually fairly deep, uh, management system for maintaining your pilots and your mechs. Uh, and as like anything in Battletech or Mech Warrior or anything like that, of course, there's a mech lab so you can go through and make modifications to your mechs. I drive almost, almost all of my mechs are heavily modified. Uh, there's a couple mechs that are, I think are perfect the way they are. So I drive them stock, but most of mechs I put pretty decent modifications onto just to build them into the exact role that I want for them because I like to roll with a couple of brawlers. I mean, full on close quarters combat, lots and lots of heavy armor, get right up in your face and dump as many high damage short range weapons into somebody as I can going for quick kills. So I like to roll with a couple brawlers. I like to roll with a, with what I typically call a scout sniper. <clears throat> They're, uh, 
armed primarily with long-range weapons. Uh, they tend to have jump jets. They tend to be faster uh, mechs. Their whole purpose is to kind of run the flanks and do long-range combat. And I always run with a missile boat because nothing gets more joy than just watching a continuous stream of missiles fall on top of a target until it falls down. Uh, so <clears throat> you can only run four mechs. Uh, just like in the beta and from the sounds of the AMAs, they're not going to increase it to where you can run more lances. Cause in the Battletech universe, I'm without getting huge deep into this, cause I could go into lore for the next 15 hours without a problem. The standard Battletech in the year this takes place, 3025, the standard unit of battle mechs is a lance. A lance is four mechs. Uh, three lances is a company, three companies is a battalion. Your standard kind of, Ascension, uh, uh, for, uh, setups. But so in this case, you just operate a single lance and that's all you can operate. Um, the way they've set the game up is it gives you lots of options to roll kind of the way that they just kind of push you. It's like, cause they'll give you a priority mission. Uh, if you're playing the single player, you get a priority mission. And that priority mission is a storyline mission. And even though it says priority mission, you don't ever have to do it. I've got a, I have a priority mission that spent almost two years, uh, up as my next priority mission to play. And I just didn't do it because I was running, uh, other missions. I was building my, my, my characters up. I was building my mechs up because the game currently, uh, though it sounds like they might be changing this, uh, currently there is no, um, difficulty slider or difficulty choice. There's no, I can't put it on easy mode. I can't put it on nightmare mode. There's just the mode it is. And if you want the priority missions to be easier, you spend more time doing other missions bef- to build yourself up before you do a priority mission. Or if you want to have a bigger challenge, you don't do as many of those and you just bonsai through the priority missions as quickly as you can. And, and I don't know, I'm not doing that. I'm a builder just like on any open world game. How I'm always massively over leveled by the time I get to the main storylines because I get really distracted by, oh, shiny. So I've gone off and done a lot of other things. But in addition, they give you a lot of flexibility because you can move anywhere in the sector of, of space they let you have. So if there's no contracts at the planet you want, there might be a couple contracts you can get where they'll let you, well, they will pay for your transport to some other system. But if you don't want that, you can just pick a system nearby and you'll have to pay for your transport to get there. But once you're there, you can pick up contracts for those planets. You pick up contracts for, diff- for different um, factions, build up your faction standing, build up your... I mean, it's, it gives you a lot of depth in the actual running of your mercenary unit. You mentioned uh, sort of a comparison earlier, early on uh, regarding XCOM. And so I don't know if that's the fairest comparison, but it's the one I'm going to go with mm-hmm. because of that. And, it's the one I hear the most commonly. Right. I just, I guess, I mean, obviously there are differentials like the inability to, at least at this present time, control your difficulty beyond right. a, a default setting. But I was, I was wondering, uh, I guess, which do you think is harder? Uh, and maybe more interestingly, like, what does Battletech do better than XCOM does and, and vice versa? I think that if you, 
I think XCOM is probably harder, but I have to put the caveat out there. I'm saying that as somebody who's very steeped in the Battletech lore. I'm very steeped in the Battletech universe, and I'm very steeped in what works and doesn't work. So I'm not learning on the fly, oh, well, that's a bad weapon that's not worth the energy. I already know. I already know that that weapon's honestly nowhere near as efficient as something else. I'm not learning that that's a weapon I don't want. I already know I don't want to waste my time on that, so I don't have to go through those growing pains. I can all, I can stick to what I already know works. A lot of the mechs you drive, because these are the classic mechs, these are the mechs I'm used to, the mechs from the, from 3025 era, um, I already have in my mind, uh, before I even get the mech to make modifications, the kind of modifications that I'm going to make to the mech just because I know the mech already. So that gives me a leg up for this. It makes the game easier to me. Okay. Where somebody coming in who doesn't know anything about Battletech or all of the, every, all of the stuff they have is from like some of the older, like the Xbox Mech Warrior games, which are a very different animal, uh, might have some issues with. It also doesn't help that a lot of the people who are coming in from the Mech Warrior eras, those games are all set in, uh, the post 3049 era, which in the lore of Battletech is the coming of the clans which is the return of humans with an extremely advanced weaponry uh, compared to what everybody in the inner sphere had. And a lot of people, it's their, it's it's their boogeyman type thing, but they're basically, they're one trick. They're one trick ponies. They've got really good equipment, but they're like terribly terrible people. Uh, But so for those people, it's a little different because they're used to looking for weapons <clears throat> that don't even exist in this timeline yet. Mm. Uh, they're, they're lost tech in this timeline. Now there is, they did do a wonderful job because they knew going in that a lot of people playing this game aren't going to be the battle tech type people that I am who are steeped in the lore. And so as you're playing and there's con and, and there's, and, and they do the, all the, all the comments are up on screen. So you're reading all the dialogue and text when there's something that is something that someone in universe would just know, but you as a player might not know that will actually be, uh, highlighted and underlined. And if you click on it, it'll pop you a little like we Wikipedia like article okay. that pops up to tell you, uh, about, you know, Oh, here's, Oh yeah. It's like, I was at this planet and so-and-so at the battle of whatever. And you don't know what that is, but if you click on it, it'll pop up and it'll tell you about it. It'll tell you about certain mechs. It'll tell you about certain factions and stuff like that. So it gives you kind of a feel. Now they did, they are weak on, I think their tutorial is weak. Uh, they did a good job putting out like video tutorials, but like the in-game hand-holding at the very beginning is not the greatest. And a lot of this stuff that, I mean, again, for somebody steeped in the lore and his, somebody who played the beta and has followed things and watched, you can pick it up. But for someone who's more of a new player coming in, there's things that will be a little bit more difficult or might come as a surprise or very much turns up to the, the, oh, hey, I just figured this out, you know, 15 hours into the game. This just figured this thing out that would be very, have been very useful when you first started playing type stuff. So I've read a lot of stuff online about people who basically 
They started playing. They put five to ten hours into the game. And then they restarted because they knew they learned so much more and they knew so okay. much. They're like, yeah, I'm, you know what? I'm just going to start fresh with the knowledge I have. So I don't make the, so I, I'm not, I'm not being pulled back by mistakes and screw ups I did so early in the game when I didn't know better. Uh huh. That makes sense. Yeah. So, um, it's, as I said, it's a more enjoyable game than I thought. Their sales numbers have been really good. I know they did a huge, uh, Social media push mm, I've seen a in lot the of days that, leading yeah. up to it. Um, it's turned out so well. I've been having so much fun with it. And I'm very happy. This is compared to, as I referred to earlier, what happened with my Robotech thing. This mm. has been an amazing turnout. And like I said, before the game even came out, it's like, you know, if this game's terrible, I'm still ahead because, yeah, I put a lot of money into it, but I got all the physical rewards that are the reasons I put money into it is because I wanted the physical rewards. A jacket. <clears throat> a jacket. And a whole bunch of other stuff. And if I couldn't wear or not wear, uh, if I couldn't or if I didn't like the game, I figured I would have still been ahead. And the thing is, is I love the game. I. It's not just. The fact that I've been waiting so long for this game that is the reason I have not played a game that wasn't this one Mm -hmm. since it came out. I mean, the new season of Overwatch just started, and I had originally made the decision that I haven't played competitively on Overwatch in a while, and I was going to try, I was going to, I was going to get my, my entry games out of the way right away, and I was going to play competitive Overwatch this season, this and that. I haven't even booted Overwatch. Mm. I haven't booted any game except for when I was testing games. When I was trying to see if my drivers, why my drivers were messed up. And all I, I, I come home and the nice thing is just like XCOM being a turn-based game, I can walk away from this game in the middle of doing something without it being a huge deal. And I can go and, you know, take care of the kids or grab some dinner or do whatever. And I'm not feeling like I'm losing a whole bunch. Um, there have been, like, like I said earlier, and I talked about most of the major issues. Uh, almost every issue that this game seems to be having, almost all of them are directly come from the fact that it's a Unity Engine game. Okay. And Unity Engine has its share of flaws, and it has its share of little things that the developers have to create workarounds around to make work. And in some cases they work, in some cases they don't. Um, I know most of it's being patched quickly. Uh, I haven't had any of the major issues that people have had, uh, but it's not, oh, and the dumb, because there's always got to be a dumb. There has been a, there has been, while the game's been extremely popular, it has sold a lot of stuff. There has been a concentrated, um, outpouring of, uh, like one star votes on the game. Okay. That have nothing to do with the gameplay or the game or anything else. It has everything to do for the fact that uh, part of the character generation of the game, when you're generating your character, um, you are given the choice of multiple genders and you get to choose your pronouns. Ah. And that has it created a massive uh, Massive backlash. Because uh, okay. hmm. at one point I saw right after, I mean, shortly after it came out, like within the first couple of days, it was, it was, it was down to mixed. And I'm like, 
what's what's wrong with this? And I started looking at it, and all these one-star reviews are about, oh, you can choose the pronoun they, or it's, uh, oh, this game promotes the homosexual agenda, and this game promotes... I just... Because of the character generation. Because of the character generation. Uh, you can choose your pronoun as they, or whatever. Stick of Truth makes fun of that. Yeah. You a lot of those choices. Yeah, and you can, you can, you can, you know, your, your, your gender choices are male, female, or other. Mm-hmm. And you and it upsets people apparently. Uh, so uh, at least enough to make a little vote. Or yeah, my guess is it probably got shared somewhere on right. some subreddit. And right. Okay. Well. So I mean, there, there there's that going on. That was an interesting little poll when I first saw that <laughs> popping up. I'm like, seriously? Okay. Who cares? I mean, if that bothers you. Just don't choose your pronoun as they, or choose your sex as other. They they would rather give it a one star. Tony, one star. Bad game, one star. Yeah, but I'm happy. I'm I'm Good. real happy with it. Good. We'll see. I'm hoping for DLC. The DLC does makes just makes it better. And the nice thing about the game is. Like I said, with the priority missions and the storyline, I could ignore it for as long as I want to go do the stuff I want to do. Mm-hmm. And that's what I've been doing. It's been awesome. Good. Well, I did this morning wrap up my competitive placements in Overwatch, but I've mostly been uh, working on a couple of games. Well, first, I finally finished up Mad Max, so I thought I, I should probably touch on that. The uh, I was stuck when last we talked about Mad Max here. On this race where I was trying to win the V8 for the car, which is like the main... I thought I figured I must be right near the end of the game. Um, and I finally won that race. Well, you have to defeat the other vehicle. It's not really a race, per se, except they're really, really fast. <laughs> and what happened was, apparently, I read this happened to the other people. He must have gone forward and hit something off my screen and been destroyed. I was nowhere near him <laughs> when all of a sudden I won. Because I thought I was about to have my own vehicle. So I, don't, I was almost ready to restart the race again. Because and all of a sudden you won. Yeah, because I, I take if I take too much damage, I just I realize I'm going to hit too many. I'll hit the wall too many times. Uh, it's just not safe. For, I'm not going to finish. So right. I'm not going to be able to catch back up before I destroy myself. <laughs> so, and after that, I had at least two more hours of content. So that wasn't the very end of the game. There was still actually quite a bit more. Uh, I just punched through it. I wasn't. You know, there are a lot of regions in that game. Where you're just doing the same stuff over and over, and by yeah. the time I was in, it's the, the open region, world grind. Yeah, of, I was, yeah. I was well past it. You don't need to do remotely that amount of stuff to get almost all the major upgrades. So, so after finishing Mad Max, I've moved on to Prey, the 2017 version of Prey. I played the original Prey, which was a odd, not it wasn't a great game. It was a first person shooter that was sort of known for. They had you able to walk on ceilings and stuff at certain points. So there was a little bit of this. It wasn't gravity manipulation, but it was just sort of a, there were these perspective manipulations based off of how the, and the alien vessel was laid out. And the other thing was it was, you were playing um, a native American. And so as you went along, they, they used that as the way to work with some spirit power stuff to, mm-hmm. to go in. This prey has nothing to do with any of that except. <laughs> Except it involves aliens. That's the tie. That, that's the that's it, the only tie. It's not the same aliens. I'm not on an alien ship. Uh, I'm not an. I'm not Native American. I don't have <laughs> any spirit powers. 
it's you're apparently a part of some sort of experiment. You find out very early on that what you think is going on isn't really what's going on. You're on a space station and something bad has happened and it's like pretty much everyone's dead and there are these little black sludge aliens running around everywhere. It's been frustrating. I, it's like, because it's a space station, it's like you're in a hub. And so there's a lot of ways to go and it doesn't give you the best of advice on what to do. It's gotten better as I've gone along, but they're like the little aliens, which aren't a problem. And then anything that's bipedal, just a night. No, I've played for hours now and I, I don't want to fight any of them. So it, I'm almost required to st- that this is a stealth game. I'm stealthing through on default. <laughs> it's not designed as a stealth game, but it gives you a lot of stealth tools, but I have a shotgun. <laughs> I have a shotgun. I shouldn't need to say anything else. I have a shotgun. I should be fine. Pump or double barrel? Pump. Well, see, there's part of your problem. Well, I haven't found the double barrel schematic yet. <laughs> so uh, there are powers and stuff, and so I'm unlocking things. Use synthesizers to make ammo and all that. It's got some interesting ideas. I don't think it's all come to... It, the game looks great. Visually, they did a really good job. It's very shiny. Shiny and chrome. <laughs> but, yeah, I'm just... I'm like, okay, it's just... it's. I get what they're going for. It's not scary, though. So it's not really a horror game, but they're going with this sort of atmospheric, you're by yourself. It's like, it doesn't do Dead Space as well as Dead Space does. And it doesn't do Resident Evil at all. And, <laughs> and But I'm still thinking so much, it's not pulling off the first-person shooter in a really comfortable way. I just feel woefully underpowered. And I'm guessing I'm supposed to, but I have an awful lot of crap in my inventory. It's not like... That's my Resident Evil reference. It's not like I'm running around with four bullets. I've got plenty of ammo, but I feel like I have to use all of it to defeat one alien. So it's just dumb. But they're relatively easy to One of those things where there's a... So I don't know. Are are, are you just having the issue that you haven't found the shoot it here for massive damage type point? Or is it just that they're just that they are just that tanky? They're just sludge monsters. They're sludge. I mean, I think what I'm supposed to do is freeze them with bio goo. And then shoot them while they're frozen so they can't hurt me and rinse and repeat. I don't like rinse and repeat for regular monsters. I think it's stupid. Uh, the very few games that have made me do, like, do something and then shoot them and it work out, like, Alan Wake accomplished it really well. I almost didn't play Alan Wake because I thought, I'm going to hate this stupid mechanic where you have to shine the flashlight on him to be able to hurt them. But it actually works really yeah, well. Yeah, Alan Wake's good. Uh, Prey, it doesn't work awful. When, I heard originally, uh, when Prey first came out, before they patched it on consoles, it was a disaster because the things, the monsters moved so quickly, people couldn't aim fast enough with controllers to fight them. <laughs> and that they've patched it so it got better. So that may be part of it, is just that it's more of a mouse and keyboard type thing. And I feel like, uh, cause they are pretty quick. I try and just club them with wrenches, but it just doesn't do much damage. <laughs> it's okay. Uh, I just, I, you know. I didn't know what to expect with it. It's so far, I feel it's relatively pedestrian. It's go and turn this on and then go and do something. And oh, now you have another fetch quest and then go do that. And I'm getting talked to by a mysterious <clears throat> robot and you're, you know, it's just really isolated. So there's no real interactions. You go and you clear out a place and then later there are more monsters because the plot says there will be more monsters now. Uh, there are a lot of little story elements and stuff. They tried to flesh out the world and stuff. It just, it, it didn't. I don't think it is whatever they had hoped it would be. That's okay. But 
I, I so I'm currently planning on going ahead and getting through. It's not like there seem to be a few side quests. I don't see the point in doing them. Maybe that gets you the good gun. Maybe it gets you the double barrel. I don't know. But at this point, you're at the. I'm just going to finish this game and get it done. Stage. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Unless <clears> I, I, if I get tired of it, I'll give up on it and move on because I got other stuff to play. Still. Yeah. So, but yeah, it's all right. It's just I had I enjoyed Mad Max more, considerably more. Yeah. But even that started to get on my nerves after a while. After Region Four of the same. Oh well, I need go, to go find, find all them. these balloons to oh, so, spot everything. Yeah, go, go do these races or the land field, landmine fields. Oh God, I just quit doing those. I was like, this is stupid. The landmines were the stupidest thing of Bad Max because you had to have the dog in a different vehicle. Right. A vehicle you never wanted to be in. I actually started using that vehicle a lot in Mad Max for the very simple fact that that vehicle was like indestructible. (laughs) Oh, it was weird. (laughs) Well, that's all I had. Yeah, no, I mean, yeah, that's all I've got. I mean, Battletech's the only thing I've played. I did... Battletech does have this one really scary thing. The first time I ran into it was when I lost one of my pilots. And it's called an SRM carrier. And it looks like a vehicle. And up until this point, you don't care about vehicles. Because in Battletech, vehicles are stupid. Hmm. If it's not a mech, you step on it and it dies. Or you shoot it and it dies. It's not a big deal. So I didn't worry about it. And then I saw the SRM carrier. And it carries more short-range missiles, obviously the SRM, than any mech I could ever possibly build could possibly carry. And if it gets a chance to shoot at you, you die. Mm. So, it requires you to have a very... It makes you be more circumspect playing with vehicles. Right. You actually have to consider them. Yeah. I don't get to just go, oh, it's a vehicle. Stop. Yeah. <laughs> and, and since I first saw them, there's some other, there's some other vehicles that are, are, that's scary. I want to stay away from that mm. as far as I can. But yeah, no, that's been about everything. Okay. A lot of pinball. Pinball's going crazy. Well, a lot of drama. A lot yeah, of drama. Yeah. That's what I meant. A lot of pinball drama. Yeah. It's going drama. Maybe in the next couple of weeks, there'll be less drama. Don't know. Maybe we'll have a guest. We have a few pending off options for more guests to come on. So we'll see what the schedules do. But I guess until next time, I should point out that you can always reach us at facebook.com slash eclectic gamers podcast or via email eclectic gamers podcast at gmail.com. We're available on Twitter and Instagram at eclectic underscore gamers. And as Highway Pinball would often say, you'll get our next episode in two weeks. See ya. Nice. <laughs>